I don't know about y'all, but I have a bad feeling about this episode. I this mean, could be a little crazy. This is, I, it's easily the best one that we're gonna have. I mean, it's just we're all we all pretty much are gonna Sorry, agree. Sorry, I just want to use the quote. I know, I know, I know. But I mean, I feel like we're all gonna agree. And if we don't, I guess that'll be a little controversial. But this is uh, welcome to the second Star Wars themed episode of Through the Lens the Movie Podcast with Alex and Davis, also with special guests from last or two weeks ago, Jacob Hillman, and also Jack Hart. Jack, thank you for joining us, and Jacob, welcome back. So this will be the one breaking down the original trilogy of Star Wars movies. Obviously, we did the prequels two weeks ago, and then apparently I had the Rona while doing the podcast. I didn't really know that. Thanks um, a lot. It wasn't... Um, I didn't know. It's not, Oops. I mean, but, you know, y'all didn't get it, so that's good. Right? I didn't, but I didn't enjoy the 10-day quarantine. I didn't either, Alex. I, I was I, barred from entering campus for 10 days. <laughs> I didn't think that was going to happen, okay? It's not... I. I tried my best, okay, guys? I'm sorry. The but, big um, Star Wars watch parties at Alex's place didn't go over well. What does that mean? <laughs> oh it was a joke. Were you following CDC guidelines? Doesn't um, sound like it. I, I tried. Yeah, how'd you I catch don't it, know. Alex? I, I was hoping the prequels would deter people from showing up. Apparently not. I don't know. But uh, this one breaking down the urgent trilogy. But first, of course, we got to go through all of our movie news as we do every episode. And the biggest news just happened today. Um, Christopher Plummer, one of the greatest actors of all time with a historic career, has passed away today at the age of 91. And, of course, a little bit about him. He was the oldest man to ever win an Oscar in an a- acting category at for a movie called Beginners in 2010 to 82. He was also the oldest man nominated for an Oscar at 88 for that movie All the Money in the World. But you guys may remember he had to replace Kevin Space because he got canceled. Oh, was that like a year or two ago? No, that was, uh, that was like 2017 because then Kev- really? the, all, all the Kevin Spacey nonsense happened and then like they were like, oh, maybe we shouldn't have him, you know. That was right after Baby Driver that happened. That's and right, it like, was. Kevin Spacey. That's right. And then he got nominated for that. And then he also, uh, to link it to Star Wars, he actually played the son of Alec Guinness's character in The Fall of the Roman Empire, a film in 1964, despite the fact that they're only 15 years apart. But, you know going to happen and of course the role that most people may remember him for was captain von trapp in the sound of music in 1965 and most recently he played hiram in knives out at the age of what was it 90 and the, I, I thought he was pretty good in that movie i don't know about you guys but i thought he was i thought he was pretty good and so yeah obviously rest in peace to him and our thoughts and prayers go out to his family right now and in other news going on the snyder cut is going to officially be rated r which I feel like, you know, we can't get any consistent news. We don't even get trailers. We just, you know, get the occasional, like, Zack Snyder leaks it on Instagram or, like, Twitter that, like, something's happening. And they also posted a photo of Jared Leto, which he decided to rock the long hair because he realized that short hair jokers just... Obviously, the, the, the metric is to have long hair. I mean, Heath Ledger, Joaquin Phoenix, now apparently Jared Leto. I don't really... I don't know why. But, you know, we'll see. Maybe it'll work out well. And... Other news, Ryan Coogler is developing the Black Panther series at Disney+. Plus. This after they're also trying to plan the Black Panther sequel. Again, very difficult situation with the passing of Chadwick Boseman only a few months ago. You know, he I mean, he was the guy that was probably going to be the future of the MCU. Probably the guy that bring him and Doctor Strange are probably going to be, and Captain Marvel will be the big three. Now it's very much in flux, which again, completely understand why, but... And also, speaking of more Marvel news, because that's all that really happens now... Elizabeth Olsen teases the appearance of a character in WandaVision that has not been leaked because it has been leaked that, spoiler alert, that Quicksilver will show up from X-Men into the WandaVision show because the rumored plot 
That's kind of big. Spoiler alert to everybody again. The rumored plot that's going on is that there is a certain character that is doing all of this, and Wanda's going to strike a deal to get her brother back, and he's going to mess with her and send in the X-Men version of her character because we know that Quicksilver showed up twice because he was in X-Men, and then he also was in Avengers Age of Ultron before he got, like, shot a couple times and died. But, um... So he's the protecting idea, Hawkeye. What? He's protecting exactly, Hawkeye. exactly. No, it's a good scene, but I mean, like, you know, compared to the overpowered Quicksilver from X-Men that, like, remember, you've seen the yes, movie, right? Like, I he sailed people it. in the building and everything? Off the air. Have y'all watched the episode yet? No, uh, no. I cover my ears. No, no. I spoiled no. it. What? Yeah, you totally just spoiled it. Well, I said spoiler alert. He did say spoiler alert. So <laughs> I, I, know, I, 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 I'm I, just saying. No, I, actually, I actually saw this before the episode released. Really? I saw this before you the just episode ruined released. it. I can't watch the show now. I said spoiler alert. <laughs> I cover my ears. I got still. I haven't even you. seen the show, so it's not like I just was reporting a leak that I saw. I was just saying, but I plan on watching it when it's you all eventually released. This, Alex. What? You cancel. I guess that. I am, but she said, and this is another spoiler alert. But she said that the return of this new character is bigger than the appearance of spoiler alert. Because apparently I need to say this: Luke Skywalker in the Mandalorian, which I think is a bit odd because I doubt. Any character what that shows What if it's Morbius? Up. Really? Did you ever think of that? Yeah, I hate to say it, but I'm not sure if Morbius is bigger than Luke Skywalker in Star Wars. It's going to be Wolverine. Ooh. Now that... I mean, just think logically. It's going to be Wolverine or, like, Professor X. Is Quicksilver the one with the surfboard? <laughs> that, that's the silver <laughs> surfer. That, that's a good Thank you for joining the conversation, <laughs> Jack. Jack, with his uh, his first uh, contribution on the air, is <laughs> well. I had a fun fact about the sound of music, but we moved on so quickly. I, you can just just pipe in at <laughs> yeah, any time. Like that's just moving in at a steady clip. I didn't want to <laughs> take away from Star Wars. It, it very much is just to interrupt me yeah. whenever he likes to right. talk. Just shut him I, up. I, it, like that's just how it has <laughs> to go. That's how it went last week. I mean, it's, I'm not gonna or two weeks ago. You can throw your sound of music fact real quick. All right, get this. At the end of the movie, right? What what's what's the big payoff? Is that they like. They, I've never seen it. So. They, <laughs> they they escape from the Nazis and and walk across the mountain to Switzerland. But like Salzburg is nowhere near Switzerland. So either they walked for four hundred miles or they got <laughs> captured by the Nazis immediately. So it's like it's like I mean, a glorious bastard. It's like a it's a sad thing about uh about uh Master Plumber, but unfortunately his fate was sealed with his poor geography skills. <laughs> My mom loves that movie. She's gonna listen to this episode. <laughs> Probably gonna text me about that, but I guess I apologize for spoiling Wandavision. Everybody, that's not my intent. Spoiling the sound of music. (laughs) That too, (laughs) that too. And then uh, last two things going on as well. (laughs) As this studio is a hundred years old. (laughs) Um, Tom Holland called Spider-Man Three the most ambitious standalone movie in the history of cinema, which I'm not really sure how that. How, how is really it a standalone applies? movie if it's that, the Spider-Man 3? That's yeah. the thing. Is How is it a Don't standalone one? Like, I'm thinking he means popcorn. if but, you watch it uh, alone. But he means like, not, I guess he means non-Avengers, but like isn't Captain America Civil War technically a Captain America movie? Yes. And wouldn't it by extension be the most ambitious? Probably. I mean, and I, I don't know. It just seems, I mean, this is just kind of, you know, the the pattern with every MCU movie. The next thing is the greatest thing since the last one. And, you know. I remember after watching. I mean, it, to be fair, they they do a good job. No, at they do. Living up. No, they 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 do a lot of times. But I mean, I remember like going out of Endgame, and I was like, honestly, it's good. And then you know, every account I saw was like, oh, it's the greatest movie of all time. And I was like, I, a little hesitant on that one. But again, to each their own. But I mean, it just 
seems like the pattern is just, oh, this is the next big, like Civil War was the big thing, then Age of Ultron was the big thing, and then it kind of wasn't. But That yeah. was the biggest flop. And then and then Infinity War was the big thing, and it lived up to it, and then because of Infinity War, Endgame was the biggest thing money-wise, but I don't know if we all would agree that it lived up to it in terms of quality. And then, you know, Captain Marvel was the, hey, first standalone female superhero movie for Marvel or whatever, and, I, you know, it just feels like everything is built up as the next big thing to where it's like, can't you just say this is just a movie and that's like, it's just a good movie. It's fine to just have those filler movies like Ant-Man is, it's not a, I don't think it's like, you know, an all time. I don't think it's bad, but you know, it's just a decent building block. And But everything else now has just been, which again, if the rumors are true, this movie's going to be crazy. But what Davis, can I get the last one? Go ahead. Our last bit of news before we get into Star Wars. A bit of news that has sparked a lot of debate among movie fans or just casuals. The Kong versus Godzilla trailer has released. And before we move on to Star Wars, I want to get y'all's opinion. Who's going to win? Science-Zilla or Kong? Science-Zilla? Facts and logic doesn't work here, Alex. Well, it's Mechagodzilla, actually. But... It's not Mechagodzilla. Mechagodzilla is a robot. No, but <laughs> but it is Mechagodzilla because in the in the 1967 uh, movie with Mechagodzilla, he actually had a layer of actual like Godzilla skin to where you couldn't tell that it was a robot. This movie is not Mechagodzilla. It except is Godzilla. it is. This movie th- that's coming out tomorrow. Except except there there will there will be a Mechagodzilla in the movie. What is that? Is that who? Godzilla? Is that who Kong and Zilla are gonna team up to fight? Yes, oh, it probably yes. Is. That's that's the whole. thing. Okay, but who's winning? Who's winning? King Kong or Godzilla? Well, you know, if based off Kong Skull Island, I would have picked Godzilla, but then Kong apparently inexplicably grew four hundred feet. Don't question it, Alex. <laughs> he grew four hundred feet for no reason. How old was he in Skull Island? Like two? Like was he an infant? Have you grown since you were two, Alex? <laughs> <laughs> have you eaten a lot of bananas? <laughs> And grown strong. Have you been killing T Rexes by ripping their jaws that's apart? Di- that's a different. That's a different storyline, bro. Did. Different timeline. But Kong did. That's but that's the other Kong. That was like only fifty feet. Kong is still able to do it. That's not Jacob. Okay. Your thought? I'm just gonna pick Kong because I think that's what they'll do. Yeah. Jack. Mm. Oh no. Godzilla gonna, should win. I'm gonna have to go with Kong, but I think it's gonna. I mean, I think of course I think they're gonna team up. Yeah. To fight something else, but I I, I think I think. Kong will get the best of Godzilla. Godzilla, the, the movie's really going to be about Godzilla. It's going to be about his arc, and the low point of his arc is going to be when, when Kong finally bests yeah. him. I saw someone say he's only known as Kong, and he has to become King exactly. Kong. So how does he become Godzilla King? Godzilla was called King of the Monsters That's exactly in the last right. movie. Which, I don't know if you guys saw King of Monsters, but I did not like that movie. It had the guy from the Verizon commercial in it, and it was very distracting. <laughs> what, the, can you hear me now, guy? The, no, the Thomas guy, the ginger. <laughs> I'm, no, I know you're talking about Yeah. Uh, it's funny. Mo- most people, too? most people make the jokes about the fact that it's, uh, they just refer to uh, the dad is just Coach Taylor from Friday Night Lights the entire time. They destroyed I- Fenway Park. Also, <laughs> it was really weird. <laughs> that that movie. It- Ooh, just- you know what would be interesting? Count how many baseball stadiums have been destroyed in movies. Ah. I can count Wrigley, the Met Stadium, and then the uh, Giant Stadium. Yes, in the end game. I, w- I think the Giants got got, got bopped in. It's it's not really okay. It's not destroyed, but it's deserted it's and implied. run down. Oh, I implied. thought you were talking about the Mets saying that got destroyed in Sharknado too. That's on me. I, oh, I, that I mean that yeah, that I mean, works too. <laughs> Oracle Park probably got bopped in in Pacific Rim, if if San Francisco got leveled. Yeah, I. Uh, no, no, that might be what I'm talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Or also in San Andreas when there was a tsunami. That's what I'm talking That's, about. Because I think remember the rock Dwayne Johnson, he saves yeah. everyone because they all go to the, they the go first to the base. baseline. <laughs> <laughs> and oh my that's God. how they live. That movie Bane is... blows up Heinz, doesn't he? 
Yeah, that's a that's see. I'm thinking of baseball because that's that's what all the that's what they all go for. He does, yeah, he does blow pines. Bain did blow up pines. Right. Like all the, like the real pay, or Steelers players like on both teams. Heinz Ward survived. Yeah, no, he did. That's what? Cool. Heinz Ward was I in it. Seen this, I Dark seen Rises. I wonder Dark what Rises. baseball stadiums getting bopped in God, Kong versus Godzilla. Probably some. That'd be a good. I mean, it weighs in. Is it in Japan? No, oh. it shouldn't be. I don't think. I mean, I mean, I I don't th- I'm pretty sure they they probably will go to Japan. Yeah, that's that. That's, I think oh. I saw a scene. Case, it like they've Japan. been doing more homages to it lately, so this would probably be the. Biggest man, but I don't know. I, the Yokohama Giants. Then I, it's just—it's <laughs> odd because is that Korea? <laughs> no, that's okay. One of the th- one of the things I liked about the first movie is that, like you know, it really felt like these monsters were like massive. Like, did anybody remember the first movie? No, because like there's this one shot where um, the Muto is at like Hawaii and he's blowing up this airport and all the people in the airport are running and then Godzilla like steps into frame and it goes silent. And, like, his foot is, like, the size of, like, a bunch of these massive doors, and, like, it dwarfs everything. And then now, you know, it's, like, anybody seen Pacific Rim 2? Because you guys reference Pacific Rim. I feel like like you could ask the entire world that question and get very few responses. That's true, but, like, the— I know Henry's seen it. He has it on DVD. (laughs) Why? He also gave Hubie Halloween, like, a 10. (laughs) It's so I'm just telling you the truth. I'm I'm not asking for your take. But, like, the one thing I liked about, like, those movies is, like, it feels like these mechas or these monsters are huge, and then, like, the later on it just gets, like, you know, now they're just doing everything. Now, you know, Kong is jumping around karate kicking Godzilla in the head, and it's, like, it's just, it feels more like, you know, like, the first movie had to feel like a big event. Same with Pacific Rim. Like, it, every time the Jaegers pulled up, you're like, okay, this is a big, and, like, they felt like these massive, because you saw, like, the ground shake and everything, and now it's, like, you know, like Power Rangers. I don't know. Then again, maybe I'm thinking too deep about monster movies, but you know, I have high expectations on these things. What can I say? I mean, my God, I don't know. It's, I don't know. All right, so I think that's enough for news. Yeah, we got to get into the big ones. I mean, this is why everybody's here. So we're going to talk about the Star Wars movies, going from A New Hope, Empire Strikes Back, Return of the Jedi. Which, spoiler alerts in effect, but I'm assuming at this point, the amount of people that have not seen Star Wars is. Very slim. Anyone who's clicking this podcast probably that's true. Has seen that's Star true. Wars. Maybe they're just like, oh, what's Star Wars? And they click, and it's like they they now they know I mean, everything. We're approaching forty years post. Yeah. So, I think yeah. What is we're it's good. Already, it's I already mean, it's already been forty. Years. Return of the this Jedi is eighty three. So yeah. approaching forty year anniversary of that. Hope, I mean, I hope we're good. But yeah, so a new hope. I mean, this is the one that started it all. Also, interestingly enough, I mean, if you watch it, it really feels like it was meant to be standalone. Like I watched, re- like it. What wasn't it? What, no, well, I mean, no, I mean it was, but like it's interesting because it feels like it. But Lucas also like just lays a lot of like the seeds for future spinoffs, even though he didn't know it was going to be successful. I don't understand like not killing Darth Vader. Yeah, right. It, it it's interesting because they like, almost do. Yeah, exactly. Flips into space. Exactly, and it like well, you know, a lo- okay, a lot of movies, especially of an older generation, as I've noticed, they didn't kill the villain. The villain just like goes away, and you assume he's like mm-hmm. that's like that was like an old trope of older mm-hmm. movies because it was you know a lot less serious. And this being the space opera, it kind of fits. But honestly, when you watch the movie, Vader is Vader, but like the main villain is technically Grand Moff Tarkin. Mm-hmm. He like literally le- he like he orders Vader to stop trying to kill one of his officers, like. Peter Cushing playing Grand Moff Tarkin is like the main guy, which is a little weird. Right. Kind of and, I mean, but but Lucas is such a good world builder. I mean, in the first thirty minutes of the film, you have the Clone Wars referenced, which doesn't come up until twenty years later yeah. in, in our world time. So 
um that, that that's just something to consider when you're talking about the the open-endedness of the first movie something i was actually curious about was like what got i mean i know we're all big star wars fans but what initially got you guys into the films because i know it's it, i mean when you're a kid it's hard to get your hands on it like it either you watch it on when it comes on cable or you somehow get your hands on the dvd or vhs even so like what got you so into it and if, if it was like in the streaming age or beforehand or question. what what exactly got because i know my answer but me, I, yeah, i'm interested too. to hear you guys i mean i guess i'll go first my so my dad who like he like pretends to not be a nerd like he's like oh i don't like the sci-fi fantasy stuff but he grew up on star wars and loved those movies and then i grew up a bit with the prequels and revenge of the sith was the first pg-13 movie i ever saw at the age of four right. which so like was terrifying. So back, was just, back when Star Wars was a little more nerdy, a little more punk rock, and not as <laughs> mainstream no, yeah, exactly. and, and involved in, in everything as it is now. Back when it was like a little uncool to be into Star Wars. Yeah, and I just like sort of grew up on it from that point. And then, you know, we've got all six of the movies and like a bonus DVD, and we just watched them just routinely. And I mean, the prequels, like, we argued that they weren't, you know, I mean, debates on how good they are is, you know, upward, but, like, at the end of the day, those movies have some exciting action sequences that any kid would just, you know, gravitate towards, especially the entire Geonosis section of Attack of the Clones, so I just sort of grew up from that point and then just watched them more and more and then, you know, the lore, so. Yeah, for me, it was Revenge of the Sith also. Watched that when I was six or seven. And then the Clone Wars movie. I know that's not... Mm. Right now, when I look at them, that's not a good movie. <laughs> yeah. But as a child, I loved it. Same for me. I got I mean, on DVD Star Wars still. in the theater. Like, yeah, that, I exactly. saw it in the theater. That's, and that's I, same and for I me. just built on from there. Mm. So that's that's where I got into it. I think I, I don't remember the first one I saw, but I'd wager it was probably like A New Hope because my dad is one of those... Not like a movie nerd. He's not like a, like a, a movie snob or anything, but he, like, he loves sci-fi. It's all he reads. It's a big Lord of the Rings fan too. He won't admit it. Though. My dad hates them. <laughs> he loves he loves those movies. Uh, also, but then I started playing like Lego Star Wars the game. And I got Lego Star Wars mm-hmm. toys a lot. Yeah. But I was one of those Star Wars kids at school, like in grade school. And I vividly remember when the, the Clone Wars started coming on first. Everybody was like, "Why is it Star the Clone Wars Wars?" Because like, <laughs> the Star Wars went around it. I was yeah. like, "I swear, no Star Wars the Clone Wars guys. I swear, I swear." And I was like, "Shut up, Davis." <laughs> I mean, a lot of people probably say that throughout the days. So. Um, yeah. For like me, for me, the first game I ever got on my GameCube, Christmas morning, 2006, Lego Star Wars 2, the Let's original go. trilogy. Mm-hmm. So that is how I've, I fell in love with the original trilogy to the point where, I mean, I knew those, those levels so well that like, I, I, I can play through the game right now and 100% it like, without even looking anything up. And to the point where when I watch the movies, I'm, I know the games better than the movies. And like yeah. I get confused as to like like <laughs> how similar they made the game to the movie like the scenes look the same like like what jokes are actually in the movie and not in the little cutscene with like the the babble talk the yeah, Lego just people to clarify, do Darth Vader does not show Luke a picture of him and Padme <laughs> that, in the actual Empire Strikes that's back. legendary <laughs> uh, yeah to the point where like I'm like that joke's actually in the movie I thought that was just the, <laughs> like the funny Lego people but yeah that I mean Especially on top of that is the music because mm. I think what makes the Lego Star Wars game so great is that you're hearing the licensed music that John Williams composed for that scene while it plays. Like when the Millennium Falcon goes in the the space cave in Empire Strikes Back, you're hearing the asteroid field song and you're hearing the exact same part of when you, it does the backflip into the to the what we find out to the space worm later. But like that's how that's why what's it stuck with me for so long is that I still find myself like humming the songs because. They're they're so ingrained in my mind 
Yeah, I gotta say, I mean, the music is honestly my favorite part of the entire trilogy, because even, you know, going on to the sequels, and even going on to Phantom Menace and Type of Clones, two movies that I personally am not big fans of, I mean, the music is still top tier. John Williams I mean, does not miss. No, I mean, no, no, he, I, honestly, he's only, in my opinion, of the movies I've seen, had one bad score, and that was The Rise of Skywalker, which, of course, we'll discuss in the sequel episode later on, mm-hmm. but that's yeah, the I, only one I, I, I didn't really like. One but. note on that as well is that one of... <laughs> My favorite part of The Rise of Skywalker, which I hate myself for liking it, is when <laughs> when Luke pulls that dang X-Wing out of the water and it plays the song that played when Yoda pulled it out I mean, of the Empire. It, it, it's like, emotional. It's, like, I get it. I get it makes no sense. It's, shut up and eat your popcorn, It's awful, Jack. but I eat yeah. my popcorn and I like it for 10 seconds, and then I go back to, to hating And I movie. think that's a testament to the music because the music, I mean, look, what is Duel of the Fates without the music? What is, you know, what is Battle Darth Vader's? Heroes, yeah. What, yeah, what is Darth Vader's character mm-hmm. oh, without the Imperial March? What, what about when Anakin's sitting in the Jedi Temple and is switching between him and exactly. Padme? Yeah, across and the stars. And what, what yeah. is the famous binary sunset scene from A, a New Hope so without... So much so that they've used it in three different movies. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> what is that scene without that music swelling in the background yeah. to do the Force? I mean, the music carries it. And I will say, it's funny, Jack, that you mentioned the Lego games because... Just this past week while I was in quarantine, I decided to dust off my uh, Lego Star Wars game, which includes the original one with the impossible oh. pod racing episode. Are you, that a, I, are you a complete saga guy? Uh, no, I got the, I, I have the original two on GameCube, yeah, and yeah. I got the complete saga later. At podcasting but... levels. Brutal. <laughs> so, yeah, to segue back the to podcasting the... podcasting level. To A New Hope. Oh, wait, did I, is that what he I said? Jackson on accident. Uh, <laughs> So, uh, <laughs> you, I thought you were awful. making a joke. I didn't realize that you- this is podcasting. Hitting the the little signs, awful. Um, so yeah, you mentioned the Imperial March. Something that I always forget mm-hmm. going back to A New Hope is that the Imperial March is 100% whole cloth. The creation of Empire Strikes Back. Yep. So you don't even hear it once exactly. in A New Hope, but it's so omnipresent that like you almost feel it. Yeah. Like when 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 Vader cuts down that door and marches right in. Exactly. So that that's just a testament to the music it, as well. So I like, agree with that. I mean, what what a way to start a movie. Yeah. Just drops you right into the middle of action, does a new hope. That's honestly one of my favorite parts about this movie and about the Star Wars movies in general, because it like he carries that trend in the prequels, is that it dumps you right in, you're supposed to infer what's going on. The first lines of dialogue are C3PO babbling to R2D2 about whatever. And you know, you do, you don't even figure out Princess Leia's name until later, which I think is also another thing is we pointed out in the prequel episode, which we're going to keep calling back a bit to that because, you know, it all binds together a mm-hmm. bit. It's like poetry. <laughs> it it rhymes. rhymes, exactly. Um, So, you know, there's a lot of times when they just have to state the obvious. The, this is tense line, of course, is probably my least favorite of all. But, you know, there's a scene where early on C-3PO sees Princess Leia giving R2-D2 the plans and there's nothing. We just are supposed to infer. There's no commentary by 3PO explaining it, which is a common thing in the prequels. It's just we infer that this lady's important and that R2-D2 is important. And I thought that that was a really cool thing to begin because you would notice that difference if you watch these movies back to back. Well, another thing is about this opening scene is it leads to a whole other movie. It leads to Rogue exactly. One. Like if it wasn't for that opening scene, like if they had opened up on Tatooine with Luke running around, there when you would still wonder how did Luke get here yeah. whenever you find out Darth Vader's his father. But you're wondering how exactly did this Star Destroyer just find this little yep. ship in the middle of space? And it it is pretty funny because you know star star speed or whatever uh, uh, light speed tracking. It, it is, yeah, <laughs> it is funny though because you know no, watching Rogue One and watching this, you know. Leia's like, I saw him on a diplomatic mission to Alderaan when in the they were in, in the, the Rogue One. I mean, Vader Earth. just mowed down people five minutes before this, and she's like still lying through teeth, which I mean, props to her. But 
and also, I mean, I don't know if you guys noticed that like Vader's like costume is incomplete because he only has the solo chest piece out of the whole thing, which mm-hmm. is a really interesting thing because it makes you wonder exactly what was going on with this movie and how they was making it because of Lucas's he he builds like the lore and he sets it to where he doesn't kill his main guy, but then famously he didn't go to the premiere. He and Steven Spielberg went and vacationed on a beach because he thought the movie was gonna fail. In fact, the only guy who thought this movie was actually going to succeed was Alec Guinness because I, th- I saw this great quote from him during an interview in 1987. He says, although the dialogue was appalling, there was something about it that made you go on turning the pages. And the idea that, I mean, that's a point to these movies because if you really look with a critical eye, there's a lot of points where it's like that's the same level as the prequels and kind of, you know, the dialogue it's like a bit wonky luke plays the whining role that anakin later fills in attack of the clones for example but there's just something about these movies in particular and the way the plot just engrosses you into it that i'm surprised they didn't think it was going to be a success because i mean it clearly blew up all over the place but it's just interesting because it seems like a perfectly set up first movie but then also like it seems like a one-off because they just yeah. called it Star Wars. Yeah, they didn't even they didn't even rename it Episode Four until 1981. Yeah, I I really don't know like what like how they made it so perfect where yeah. you could build off of exactly. It. That's what like just blows it's, my mind. It's interesting and it's it's interesting because I think the answer to that can be found in the post credits of all the original trilogy because when you watch. The prequels you see, written and directed by George Lucas, that's not like a meme now, is you know, like that's like the ending thing or whatever. But when you watch these movies, it's directed by somebody, screenplay by two other people, and then the story by George Lucas. Because I believe firmly that George Lucas is probably the best, one of the better story creators that we have in movies because just the overarching and connecting plots. When he when he writes the scenes, it's a little wonky, but in terms of crafting the overall story. He's second none again. I mean, he made a standalone movie that set up three movies before, two movies afterwards, and another three after that. So, well, well look, you said earlier about how you don't you don't understand why George Lucas didn't really think it was going to do good. And Jax told me this before about how it was made in the editing room by his wife. You yeah. Think, so, I citation needed on that. That's just a story I have in my head. I don't want. That's true though. No, so that's actually. That. I actually saw something about this as well. Is so famously. Um, about these movies is that the script was doctored by just about everybody that had a critical eye. George Lucas's wife played a big role in editing every script he wrote. Harrison Ford rewrote a lot of his lines. Alec Guinness rewrote all of his lines, <laughs> which makes sense because he's a great actor, which it's honestly unfortunate that... He's this, known for this when he's... Yeah, exactly, because he, I wish this almost had been earlier in his career because this guy is a top-tier actor if you look at his stuff beforehand, and that's honestly why the joke is he hates Star Wars. He doesn't hate Star Wars. He hates the fact that He's Everybody sums it. up his career in one movie when in reality he is one talented guy. It's and probably the same with Harrison Ford. That's also why Harrison Ford very much just like because you know I'm a big movie guy, so I know, but like a lot of people don't know that like Harrison Ford won a lot of Oscars after Star Wars. He was in a movie called The Fugitive, which he was the star, which was a huge, huge movie and a very successful. He got one for movie. The Witness, I'm pretty sure, where he turned Amish. <laughs> it's a real movie. That's there you go. <laughs> but I think I think it is interesting because it was a lot of people that were helping Lucas and also showing a critical eye because Lucas did not spearhead it himself. And we'll get to this in The Empire Strikes Back a bit about how that set up, but this was very much something that he had a lot of people tag along. And, you know, Williams crafts the score that boosts a lot of it. You know, his wife critiques it. Harrison Ford is one of the best actors of the last 50 years, and he's there helping with the script. You've got, again, 
half these people are stars. Peter Cushing is a, was a star beforehand. I mean, you got James Earl he was Jones. Van got, Helsing, bro. What? He was Van Helsing. He was? Yeah, he was Van Helsing, and Christopher Lee was Dracula in old really? movies. Cool. Fun fact. And I just think it's it's interesting because I think it was a perfect storm that you didn't really get with uh, the prequels a bit because your star actor is, you know, Hayden Christian, not an experienced guy. And Harrison Ford wasn't experienced either, but we know he should have been because, again, an entire other franchise was started off of his character, Indiana Jones. All right. Anything about else, Alex? Any other, any other thoughts on this movie before we go on again? Uh, a new hope. How, okay, I want to say we get all of our opinions on before we go to Empire. Yeah, of course. Like, so this is kind of back to the whole standalone versus setting it up. How yeah. many times was the Emperor mentioned in this movie? Um, once. Once I in thought the, so. Peter in the conference room. Yeah, he says the Emperor has just in, dissolved the Imperial Senate, which is a which honestly is a pretty again just that's another world cool. building line. Exactly. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's another just thrown in there that sets up a whole a whole thing, and it's. And that, that thing, that was the one time he was mentioned. He's mentioned very briefly in this one. Because, again, the focus is tight on the Death Star, Darth Vader, and, you know, right. that thing. I and think he's only mentioned once, though. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I thought it was zero, but now I remember him being mentioned there. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. I mean, on, on top of, yeah, before we move on, I think the special effects can't be, can't be um, overstated in this one, especially if you're looking at 1977. Yeah. Uh, I mean, just the, the use, uh, I mean, one of my favorite scenes in star wars is when the millennium falcon's getting pulled into the death star and it does that awesome wide shot of it getting uh pulled into the the hangar bay and that's a painting that they that they overlaid the millennium falcon sliding into this cgi awesome kind of blue force field and just like the vastness of the death star really gets captured in that one scene got the two little stormtroopers yeah i mean they they later made move but (laughs) so yeah but i mean the use of like practical effects which i know there's this practical versus whatever the use of them they used what they had and then exactly building a physical trench and flying a real camera in it as, as if it was on the nose of the x-wing like the i guess was it ilm at this point or whoever was behind the the special effects going above and beyond and just doing some innovative stuff i know the sound design with, with the tie fighters and then you have how they did the hyperspace loop. I think it was a like a rolled up tube of aluminum foil. They yeah, shot no, a camera. It's through, funny so. though, if you watch if you watch A New Hope again, the one time they show the hyperspace loop, it looks pretty wonky because it honestly changes throughout the movies and by the prequels they finally nail it down. But in this oh. one it looks rather odd. Yeah, just doing more with less. And I think that 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 led to the the awe factor of it yeah. made Star Wars such a sticking point for people, made people go over and over and over again in the theaters. I mean, we don't see that really anymore with mm-hmm. movies because I mean well, everything's streaming now. But yeah. I mean back in the day people would go to this five six times see it in the theaters because i mean you there's so much to miss when there's so much going on so i think that can't be overstated in in the past context of why star wars is able to get its hooks in people so effectively and but also in terms of just the the way it's it's held up and in comparison to what we see now yeah and honestly i so i was taking notes about the movie and i just anytime i saw any practical effects thing i just wrote down practical effects and i knew it was specifically i mean just it's just an attention to detail, and it honestly just looks better because the way that they dub it in, it doesn't look so out of place often. Mm-hmm. A few times when the Falcon is flying around, it looks a little wonky, but yeah. that's to be expected, to be honest. And honestly, that's why I don't like the special editions so much because there's times when there's wonky CGI just thrown in for the oh, sake of the, it. Oh, the amazing Harrison Ford stepping over Jabba's tail <laughs> yeah. and yep. levitating. Which... um. That that one particularly was pretty bad, but they even CGI job in the original edition. It just honestly looked bad then mm-hmm. too. And then there's one so. shot where, um, 
Obi-Wan and them are on the pod, like, going in, and that's when he does the force trick to the clones, and just a little monster, or CGI monster, walks in and covers the whole screen. I'm like, oh, it's a transition. It's not. It just goes in front of our characters. And they just <laughs> sit building there. Alex, it makes it, it look more alive. No, it's, it, that is really wonky. I don't understand it, which, again, maybe points to the fact that when Lucas has people to tell him what to do, or not to tell him, but to be constructively critical... It works better, but when the special editions, he did those basically by himself. He's mm-hmm. like, I'm going to go in and do it with my production company. So that was a point where I was like, eh, come on now. But the practical effects are still undefeated. Yeah, and my, my last thought on A New Hope is that I think I just have a general theory that doing less with to cre- always pretty much creates more. When you're working with constraints, you're always going to end up with a, with a better product if you have the right people behind it. And I think one of the best – I mean, I think that's why – a lot of the shortcomings of the prequels and the sequels exist because of the the unlimited budget, the unlimited yeah. resources. George Lucas was really, and, and everyone who worked on this film was really tightly constrained with what was available. And I think less so in the in the next two movies, which we'll get to. But I think the best example of that, one of my favorite stories from A New Hope, is I'm I'm obviously a big nerd when it comes to the the starships and the movies. So in in the Yavin Four base, they they only had two props built. They had an one X wing and one Y wing. And so all the vast shots you see across that hangar in Yavin 4, all the scenes back and forth, even the deleted scene where Luke meets up with Biggs again, all of that was done with two ships that they just moved around and shot from 40 different angles. So less is more, and they were able to do so much with so little, and I think that just... It is a great bit of filmmaking that yeah. ex- extends across this whole movie. They really are some masters of perspective and of you know making these things look as massive and as real as possible. And I want to ask you guys one more question because this is probably the most divisive thing about this movie is the fight scene between um, Obi-Wan and Vader because a lot of people don't like it. Some people say it's the worst duel in Star Wars because of its simplicity. But I watched an interesting thing and I, as you watch the movies, it's... You kind of notice it? It's as if they're fighting a completely different style in the first movie, which makes me think they're almost fighting as if they're fencing because they're like, yeah, they're doing a lot of poking like, and prodding. It looks like Aikido, exactly. like Japanese. It, it looks like an, because then in the next one, you know, Luke is just swinging wildly at him because mm-hmm. they adjusted. But I think it's interesting because people see Duel of the Fates and they see the Battle of Heroes and they think it's got to be this. But it's an interesting style because they clearly change it. But also, it makes sense for two guys that are out of their prime and also terrified of each other. I mean, we know what the prequels, I mean, Obi-Wan put Anakin within an inch of death and Anakin, you know, slaughtered the entire Jedi Order. So it's like, you know, you're dealing with two guys that probably are not going to be that offensive in general. Yeah, I mean, that's my thing is I don't love the duel because it's not exciting. It's all about them talking to each exactly. other. You got to know the backstory. And of course, when it comes out, like, it might have been exciting when it first came out because, holy cow, they have laser swords. Which, they look pretty... Sometimes it, yeah. it's... Yeah. Rotoscoped on. It's sometimes, like, like, when, when I they think cut the original, in between the igniting... Isn't the original cut you can see the blade on oh, so, Obi-Wan's? So, in, the, in, in one of the original cuts, somebody just forgot to di- di- uh, yeah. put on the digital painting over. They fixed that in Special Edition, but in the original original, you can't actually see that. But I, I, I just think the duel is... It's, it's obviously not great because it's not action-packed. It's yeah. not... It's not. Go- I wouldn't say it's even good choreography. Yeah. It's just. It's just not good. The duel itself, but it's about Obi Wan and his old Padawan. Yeah. So exactly. I'm okay with it. And like you said, when you see Duel of the Fates, you see Battle of the Heroes. You see Yoda the Count Dooku fight. Even after even the uh, Return of the Jedi, it's still like okay, yeah. this is not that good. And I think it's important, even you know, when you're watching that battle, just look at the fact that the CGI lightsabers are bouncing off the blades like. Think of think of that in perspective of the fact that 
don't expect it to be this very orchestrated, choreographed thing. Think about the fact that the hardest thing to render in this movie was the Death Star plans. They actually could not figure out and get a computer to render the entire um, like outline that they do mm-hmm. when they all the pilots all sit down and they look at it. Yeah. That was apparently the last thing they were able to complete because they couldn't figure out how to render it. Which that really puts this movie in perspective and also sort of, you know... I think emphasize people maybe to dial it back in terms of their expectations of a duel because again it had never been done with two lightsabers before. Yeah, so. it does look like a little a little bit like two old men disagreeing yeah. about a bingo card, but like <laughs> at the same time it's not really about the fight because we know Darth Vader's still physically able. I mean, yeah. like yesterday he killed all those people uh, on on <laughs> That's the true. and was in Rogue One. So like we we know like this is not but. This may be just me, like, hindsight, I want to defend this movie. Like, it's perfect, shut up. But, it, I mean, it's not about the fight. It's about Obi-Wan making peace. And, of course, he does because he obviously disappears when, when, uh, when yeah. Vader fa- fails him. But it, it, that's what it's about. It's about them just, just, just chatting, catching up. Uh, I mean, they're, and they very clearly, he, just very defensively, very slowly moving through it. So I, it's not about the fight, and that's why I think the fight is lackluster. I agree with that. Okay, so one last thing before we move to the Empire Strikes Back, real quick thing. What's y'all's favorite scenes? You can go, you know, you can go in depth and go real quick. Alex, uh, you first. Honestly, my favorite scene, just because it always m- confused me as a kid, and then seeing it uh, and figuring out the reason, is when they did the uh, they take Luke's pod thing to um, or speeder to Mos Eisley. I could never figure out how they did that until like a year ago, and oh. I realized they just put wheels on and then put mirrors on top of it. But it looks awesome. It does look pretty and that's cool. Just, that's like just the epitome of the making it work that Jack mentioned. Which you've seen that movie before, like Jaws, for example. They had very little to work with, and it worked out great. And this is the same case. Mm-hmm. So I've always liked that scene. All right, Jacob. Cantina. Ah, yeah. That's a good one. Lovely. It's cool. I just uh, love going in and like the music mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. just that is Star Wars. That's and of course that song is only like you know it's only like uh like what is it like it's like William's shortest piece composed, mm-hmm. but it's just been like looped and now it's like all time. A good song. Yeah, I agree. Kind of jam out to that, Jack. I gotta say, it's it's the assault on the Death Star from yeah. All Wings Report in to the trench run. I mean, that is pure cinema yeah, for me. And, and the the tension of the of the the rebel base getting in range. Which why didn't they just blow up Yavin first and then it would be Don't in range? Question it. But Eat your it doesn't matter. <laughs> That's my favorite scene. The music. Uh, one of my favorite songs. It's called uh, "Tie Fighter Attack" and Ben's death. I think. Mine is uh, the one when they're on the Death Star and Han- Harrison Ford's going, or Han Solo's, uh, doing all right here. Uh, how are you? <laughs> that scene is hilarious. It I, gets I, even better <laughs> when the robot chicken, when uh, oh, it, they ask him to build a new reactor. Oh, that, yeah, we got a reactor leak in there. Oh, that's one, yeah, that is a great a, a great bit of wonky writing that somehow works. Like, we're doing I mean, great. It's, it's how, are, how are you? Delivery. We're fine. And then he shoots it and says, boring conversation anyway. <laughs> it's it's, great it's Harrison great. Ford's delivery on that one. I, but all right. Are we ready to move on to the Empire Strikes Back? Because yes, sir. this, where A New Hope was revolutionary, Empire Strikes Back is a movie that you rarely get sci-fi superhero type movies that are going to be so critically acclaimed as this movie was. And while while A New Hope was nominated for a number of Oscars, it won costume design, best score, George Lucas got nominated for a director, I feel like The Empire Strikes Back is the best of the Star Wars movies in my opinion. Absolutely. And how much better? Few, few series have such consensus about the best yeah, one. that's true. Because like, when we do the Indiana Jones trilogy, I'm going to be in here swinging about the Temple of Doom and why it's the best. But <laughs> no! not everybody thinks that, no, no, okay? No, 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 that's not exactly it, my point, is that Empire Strikes Back. Everybody's like, yeah, it's the that's best. That's a controversial it's, opinion over there. Right exactly, now. that's it my is, point. There's so many things that it does right. Also, 
Interestingly enough, it is the Stars movie that has the least involvement of the original six from George Lucas. It is directed by his, this is, I didn't know this ever about this guy, because I never heard his name, Irvin Kirshner. You'd see his name if you watch the credits. He was actually a teacher at USC that Lucas knew before he got kicked out of school. And he said, Wait, why did he quote, get kicked out? I don't remember. He, he and Spielberg both got kicked out of USC. It's weird. I don't really know. Wait, no, wait, maybe it was just Spielberg. Anyway, so um, Lucas tells Kushner that he wants to bring him on because apparently Kushner knows Hollywood, but he isn't Hollywood, which was, and Kushner had only done independent movies before this. And then he brings him on and it's also written by Lawrence Kasdan. And I believe Kushner as well. And I don't know about you guys, but I love this movie. I mean, it's just, it's the best of everything. Okay. So I have a question for you. So I, I think we all agree. It's the best one. I think we, we all agree. It's the best oh, one. Easily. I, I mean, I mean, I would say it's the best one. Start overall. to finish. It's the most complete. I mean, there's there's some there's some peaks and valleys across the whole trilogy, but yeah. I think cons- like consistent package is my favorite. And yeah. there's there's very few low moments. And I feel like a lot of people might agree that New Hope is better than Return. That you can get into debate. That's there, up right? for debate. But how much better is Empire than New Hope, in your opinion? Um, I mean, it's not it's I, not a, it's not like some people say it's clear cut, and other people I've I've seen people say Return's their favorite. I think it's clear cut, but it's not like oh my gosh, it's just. I think, so much better. I, I personally think it is because for me, I, I like to evaluate movies in like sections, like, you know, look at how each thing stacks up. And the first thing I look at is Jack. I'm like you music for the movies is what makes it for me. Mm-hmm. And this is the score that has the, the Imperial March, which is, I mean, let me go. It's got it's, Imperial March. It's got asteroid field. It's, it's got, got city got, in the clouds. It's got Leia's theme. It's got Yoda's theme, Yoda's which, theme is, which Yoda's, shows up in ET. Yoda's force theme, which shows up in Rise of the Skywalker. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, so I look at that and I think it's the best score of all of them, except maybe the prequels could have a fight with that because Battle the, in the Snow, the thing, French Horns. That's true, but the prequels, it's, the prequels, it's so Gosh. difficult to evaluate because, like, Williams' scores elevate those movies so significantly. With Empire, the gap is like not, but for me, sometimes the gap with the prequels, like, the music is so good. Like, yeah. Padme and Anakin's theme is amazing, despite the fact that I don't buy a single bit of any well, of it. I feel like some of the prequel themes are kind of like they share the motifs of the original. That's true. And if that you didn't, ha- if you had not seen the originals, it would not That's, be as moving. That, that, I'll give it that. But mm-hmm. I would say that the music is the best. I would say the characters are at their best because you finally get Han and Leia's bickering relationship expanded upon from... Honestly, I don't remember it being... Like, I like compared to like Padme, I bought into this well, for they barely- real. Interacted with exactly, each other. Exactly, exactly. The they just had you know yeah. the occasional bickering and her being like, "Oh, you scoundrel, you piece." I mean, of it was like he was doing it for money. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Well, wasn't it in the first one where Hans like, "You think she'd go for a guy like me?" And Luke's like, "No, he." She yeah, would yeah, not. yeah. No, he says it immediately, exactly. and that that's pretty funny. You get an expanded that you get, you know, Vader actually being even more terrifying. You get, of mm-hmm. course, the lightsaber. I just think this one just it knocks everything out of the park to yeah. the point where I just think it is the best. And I don't, I'm, like, I'm not gonna say I don't think it's up for debate, but like. I don't ever really feel unsure of my own opinion. Like, I feel like that's... Yeah. And so, this one, I mean, we talk about dropping you right into the action. This one gets right to it with a, I, I mean, completely foreign environment. I mean, we saw what, two planets in the in the first movie. I mean, yeah. it, was, it, was, it was just Tatooine, the Death Star, and Yavin a little yep. bit, which Yavin's just Guatemala, so... <laughs> I mean, you have... Tat- in this one, you drop right into to, to the ice planet of Hoth, and that is really cool seeing, I mean, the time gap, you realize that uh, the rebels have been chased away from, from the Yavin base because obviously the Empire knows where it is now. Yeah. Um, so that they're, they're in hiding. I mean, they're, you get to see the rebellion for the first time pretty much because 
I mean, we just saw that when we see the hangar scene, we see the one guy with the beard showing the plan. So that's about all we get. Yeah. And like the, the Chichen Itza pyramids. But now we have like a full on rebel base. You see not, I mean, the power of the rebellion. You see that it's not just what 40 people like it is in the first movie. So that's true. I mean, it drops you right in. I mean, Luke and Leia and Han are all doing their own things. I, I mean, I be- I know the movie starts with the, the probe droids coming out of the, the Star Destroyer. But I mean, just thoughts on the whole, the whole Hoth environment and i and i think it goes to like a bigger theme that i'll get to but i i it does another great job of dropping you right yeah. into the action and two things about that that i uh read so turns out they were filming all that in norway and the blizzard just showed up mm-hmm. they didn't know it was coming so they were actually in a real blizzard filming some of those scenes which is insane to be honest and also possibly one of the best adapting to the situation because mark hamill wasn't a car crash in 1977 before star wars release and he had to have his nose reconstructed with skin from, I believe it was on his neck. I don't remember yeah, exactly. That's not important. But <laughs> but the idea is that his face was reconstructed, and he does look different. If you compare it side by side, he looks different, and they invent that entire cave scene to explain away his face being different from the last movie, which is, honestly, I think that's brilliant. That is a perfect adapting to the situation, and also creating a great scene. Yeah, I mean, it shows him using his lightsaber. Exactly, and of course, that really cool scene, which you learned they did that by him throwing it in the snow and then running it in reverse, which is, Neat. again, just inventive. And it gives it's, you the wampa. Who doesn't love the wampa? Yeah. Wampas are cool. Which, that that was also a point that I was uh, going to bring up, is the fact that I think this movie also has the best Deleted new additions. Scenes. From, no. <laughs> like the one where they pull off the, the, no, the no, thing no. in the The, the one where the door movie. opens and the Wampa arm pulls the Stormtrooper <laughs> That's in. That's a good scene. Yeah, because ah, C-3PO yeah, yeah. run time, they rip off the Wampa sign. So I, I was going to say... Special editions. Yeah, go for yeah, it. Yeah, because like... Um, <laughs> Like the fact that in the original movie you don't see anything from, like from the Wampa when he runs up to Luke, you only see him like running up from his back, and you see his arm just fall off, and that's all you see in the original movie. And now in this, you see it eating, you see uh, like it chase after him, you see him hold like his arm when he gets cut off, and then also in Cloud City, which this is way down the line, of course, but. Uh, so in Cloud City, in the original cut, there was like no outside shots. It yeah. was just a bunch of yeah. white hallways, which would have honestly sucked because that's... I mean, it feels very cramped. Exactly, watch, it's like if you stuff. watch the originals. And then, you know, there's even some scenes where Lucas just blew out a hallway and turned it into a balcony, mm-hmm. and you see like the painting of like the sun and everything, and it's like in the clouds, and it's awesome. And I think this is the one where the special edition additions are the best and the strongest, and really add to it rather than the others, which kind of. It's a little. Sometimes they add, sometimes they take away. But all right, so I'm gonna I'm gonna bring up this point a lot. But you're sitting in the theater, 1980. Ben Kenobi appears as a ghost. Yeah. And tells Luke to go to Dagobah. Unprecedented. Yeah. This man's a ghost. He died. We saw him die. We saw him disappear. We heard his voice, so we like kind of knew that he wasn't completely gone. But he physically appears in front of Luke as he's as he's freezing in the cold before Han comes to rescue him, and so that's pretty cool. That that, that brings yeah. some more mist. I mean, of course, Empire Strikes Back expands 10, 10, 100 fold on what the Force is. And I mean, even to the point where Luke just moved his lightsaber. So uh, I think, yeah, moving that lightsaber is a big step in the Force. And now Ben sees that and is like, continue your journey, go to Yoda. So and I think that that's huge. I think it's really cool because, you know, we all know Force Ghosts because, you know, it's a topic of the prequels. Yoda yeah. talks about it. You know, Yoda becomes it, obviously, by the Return of the Jedi. But when it happens the first time, 
we go back to Luke and Han finding him, and Luke is just saying stuff as if he's like having a dream. Mm-hmm. So we're, it's left to a mystery. We're not sure if we just saw something real or not, which now we all know. But first time in the theater, you have no idea what you're seeing. You have no idea what you're even watching. You're like, did he hallucinate? Is it real? Like, what's happening? And like, it's just a lot of stuff that you may take for granted because you know you've all we've all seen these movies a hundred times. Mm-hmm. But that that was an interesting part too. And then I mean, it's just so good. Like, there's not like a dull moment. No, yeah. yeah, that's what I was thinking. It was like, we're talking about the, there's no really low moments. Like, I'm I mean, trying to find one. Yeah. Back to the theater, Rebel Soldier looks through the binoculars. 100 foot tall camel. Yeah. Robot camel walking towards. <laughs> yep. Like, out of left field. Like, who would have thought? I mean, and that that's something that, I, that I'll keep hammering on as we, as we continue to talk about The Empire Strikes Back is that the true power of the Empire is really shown in this movie. I mean, in hindsight, we all know about the Empire, but. I mean, in this movie, you get... I mean, we saw the Death Star, we saw a couple of Star Destroyers, and we saw TIE Fighters, basically, in the first in the first film. But, I mean, here we get Walkers, Snow Troopers, the E-Web Gun, the TIE Bombers, the... The Super Star the Destroyer. Super Star with Destroyer. With, with putting a shade the, over the, the, oh, the, the other Star The scene where, where it looks down on the Super Star Destroyer, and there's 40 Star Destroyers. I mean, you see the troop... Like, you know, the, the, these rebels have no chance against this empire. Yeah. And that, that's that's... I mean, with the Imperial March on top of that, the Emperor getting added to the fray as well, which that special edition has definitely helped out with him. Oh, my Lord. So, the yeah. original one was not... Not pretty. No. Battle of Hoth, before we get off this this ice rock. It's, I mean, that, that that's a great scene. It's top two. It's hilarious. I'd say... Yeah, yeah, you got it. When they make the walker fall, like, hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. But How it's also, spe- it's also spe- suspenseful. It's a good it's a good Leia Han moment. There's suspense of whether or not they're going get, to get the Millennium Falcon up and running, which that becomes a running joke if the Millennium Falcon's a piece of junk. Which it is. And, yeah, then the suspense of all of it. So, I, I mean, that's how you see the true power of the Empire. It's like all these new guys showing up and trying to get um, out off, off of Hoth. I will say it is funny, though. It's like, oh, man, blasters can't do anything against those. Then it falls over and it blows up after two shots. I'm like, that doesn't really make any. No, anything. it doesn't. Which I get it, but, you know, like. Uh, it's just it's a little ridiculous, but it's funny, and it it really is just it was an unprecedented movie at the time. You know, people talk about A New Hope being the Star Wars craze. The Empire Strikes Back really hammered home because this was a movie for everybody. It's it's a movie that's just so good, so expands everything, and also, I mean, it has its serious moments. It has romance. It has comedy. It literally meshes it all together near perfectly. Because like mm-hmm. like. I've watched the movie a million times. The jokes about the fucking blowing up like five times or being crappy never bothers me. Yeah, and then uh, getting off of Hoth, we get to the scene. I mean, probably some of the most memorable dialogue in Star Wars uh, comes from uh, Chewie, Han, Leia, and 3PO all trapped on the Falcon running away from the Empire through the asteroid field. I mean, you have the the never tell me the odds. You have the hilarious 3PO getting switched off because he won't stop (laughs) rattling off statistics about how unlikely it is to make the asteroid field. I mean, you have... All this great stuff of them trying to escape from the Empire and not being able to jump to light speed. I've got a personal headcan about C-3PO. Oh, Lord. <laughs> oh, good. Because he always, he always says that he can speak like three billion languages, but he every time you see him speak a language, he's like, oh, I don't know this language. I think he's just like a math, a calculator. When does he not know the language? He doesn't know. He barely knows Ewok. In some of the, in like the prequels, no, he can't speak. He's like, holding court. He's playing sound oh. effects. It's great. 
Dude, okay, okay. Dave Chagall watches movies. I Your mean, I think he can. Anyway, I'm for real. I'm not. Dave's even head cannon. He doesn't. Yeah. He, okay. In episode nine, he doesn't know the Sith language, or he doesn't. He's not able. No, he's no, not no, programmed to say are, it. There are a language he can't speak. And okay. Hey, well, yeah, he's programmed no, over six million languages. It's six million. It's six million and, languages in a galaxy far, far away, a long time ago, and there's a bazillion planets. Hoth isn't even Hoth. It's the sixth planet of the Hoth system. Like, yeah. Like. The idea that I swear there's times where he doesn't, where okay. he can't speak. Right, man. Anyway, what do y'all think about Han? I know. I oh, love you. It, I, I know. I think it's perfect. I actually saw an interview where he explained why he said it, uh, which is interesting because in this interview he actually, uh, he like actually sounded interested, which explains the point of why he doesn't like Star Wars because mm-hmm. it just, I mean, the fans are relentless and he'd rather be known for everything else. But he explained that it was his suggestion and it's his improv on that, which again, no one of these movies are so great. You got one of the best actors of the last forty years in Harrison Ford, improving and putting things together and yeah. helping out with the script. You're going to get high quality uh, content on screen, and I think it fits because it's under the guise of a joke. But the whole movie, he is pursuing Leia yeah. the whole time. Like when he's leaving Hoth, he desperately wants her to tell him that he wants her that she wants him to stay. Yeah, he he like he's joking, and it's all under this facade of this sarcastic gunslinger, which is his character, and that's what part of why people like him. And the whole time, it's she won't answer, she won't, you know, say it. And there's times, you know, there's that kiss they share when three PO interrupts him, and it's like a whole thing. Yeah, I mean, it, I mean, proof positive of how great it is is how iconic it's become. Exactly. Like, I mean, you go to Disney World, you can buy T-shirts that say like his and her T-shirts, "I love you, I know," like all that, and I it it, it is a payoff of how like. Their character journey throughout this whole movie is that, I mean, Han would have been the first to say that for all this time, all this time, and then it gets to, like, finally down to crunch time, and she says it, and he, and then it's like a, I mean, in such a dire situation, like, we're not even sure if Han's going to live. Exactly. Because this is like a test to see if it's going to kill Luke or not, or the Carbonite, and, I mean, at, at his dying breath, effectively, he just, he, it's a payoff for, for both of those characters, which, I think. Which, of course, this is where Harrison Ford wanted the Han Solo character to die, because it, he believed that he needed to character to be killed off probably because he was tired of the star wars fandom already and also because he believed this movie needed some stakes or mm-hmm. you know killing a certain character an important character really adds to a film at a certain point especially if you kill him in a way like that yeah but i just think that scene works perfectly well because you know the whole point is it's also fits him being like i've known the whole time even though you pretended that you didn't like i knew it mm-hmm. and like it also fits that as well but that scene's just have you seen what the line was supposed to, supposed to be originally what was it oh i was bad wasn't it, it was gonna be just remember that leia because I'll be back. He says, like, I love you, and then he says that. Ew. Ew. That's, that, that's the George cl- that's, original right that's, there. That's, yeah. that's the clunky George Lucas dialogue we all, we all yeah. know and love, isn't it? I mean, that's... So, that yeah. about sums it I up. think one of the, the most underrated scenes in this, in this movie, like, just because it's not ex- as exciting as all of the other ones, is, is, is Luke's decision to leave Dagobah early. That's um, a good one. When, he, when he's just going back and forth. I mean, of, of course, you have, I mean, the iconic stuff, the do or do not, the, the cave... Um, I'm your father. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a, that's one of them. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You got that happening. But too. Uh, I think just going back and forth. I mean, I mean, and that comes back. I mean, that's echoed in, I guess the other the other eight movies yeah. is that the 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 Jedi way it can get in the way and attachments and I mean the, the whole prequel trilogy was about that. Part yeah. of the sequel trilogy was about that. And and the quick and easy way. That's how Anakin fell. All of this stuff, and it, it's just summed up really quick, really quickly and easily with with Luke choosing to to end his training early and go after Luke and Luke and um 
Leia and Han rather, and that, that's exactly what Vader wanted. And you get the payoff of just this this epic fight between yeah. what we then find out as father and son. And I gotta say, for this fight, for me, it's I, I think this fight might be one of the top in the trilogy because or in in the movies themselves because you know some people are like, oh, Luke's doing too well to let him just get mowed down later. Because at the end at the end of the fight, I mean, Vader backs him down the whole mm-hmm. way, and it's just. I mean, it's done. Well, yeah, I mean, from Jump Street, Vader's just kind of messing with him. Yeah, no, like, exactly. Like the first... he's going one handed. Exactly. I mean, like he, the, he, he like... like thinks the 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 gag with the the vent is like funny. He's just like, ah, <laughs> oh, clever. Yeah, that, that's what I was saying. Is the fact that he just toys with them, obviously. Like, because literally, and then the he begin... gets to the point where he just starts throwing stuff at him. Exactly. Like, that, like I love this fight because he's so obviously outmatched that I mean, it reminds me back with like. When I was a kid playing lightsabers with my friends, and like one person would obviously have the advantage, and the other person would just be backing up the whole time. Exactly. Because I mean, that's exactly what happens. Is he gets backed up on that weird fin in the yeah. middle of the chasm. Yeah, that. that yeah. My, we were, I, I mean, was, it's a great set piece, but I, I don't know why. I was there. watching my roommate. And my roommate was like, "Why is what, what is this?" And I'm like, "I couldn't tell you, it's but the it's Cloud just Cloud City it, fin. Exactly. It's cool. So, it's cool. So we totally steer talk about it. the. Uh, the, the, the scene, fa- the scene seen. of all scenes. Well, I was gonna, I was gonna mention real quick how he got his hand cut off. Yeah, obviously. Have y'all seen the comic that came out recently that there was a guy down there that caught his lightsaber? Y'all seen that? Well, I mean, how did uh, Maz get, get it? it? Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> the story yeah, that's for another story time. That tells it. Yeah. Like some yeah. force sensitive person was like, his hand's about to get cut off, and they go down there perfectly to catch it, and then it somehow gets to Maz. Is this there. real or is this? Theory? This is real. I'm not making this up. This is a real what comic. What book is this in? What's the what's the comic name? Let me find it. That's weird. Come on, Davis. Um, I that is one of the most disappointing thing about the sequels, though, is that we don't find out. Yeah, we don't find out how the uh, Force Awakens was originally supposed to start with a floating hand in space holding the lightsaber. Are you serious? I'm I'm pretty sure about that. Oh, I'm, I'm I, maybe of that. I, I read oh, that. The after you, can a couple... even, you can even see <laughs> Luke's hand fall out of the bottom of Cloud City when he's hanging. Like, because he gets dumped out of the thing, and you can see his hand fall past. I, I assume it's his hand. I always thought it was. I don't know. It could be his wallet. <laughs> <laughs> no, my, my driver's license. I will say, though, um, like... Mean, yeah, that's, that's a great scene. I yeah. mean, we all know... What was it? They, they, the cover story was Obi-Wan killed your father, right? Yeah. No, 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 no. Uh, no, it was uh, Darth Vader killed uh, Anakin. Oh, that was okay. the idea. Which, which of no, course, then, no, no. But then, what, I think you're talking about. What I mean, that's what that's what that's what um Peter, oh, Peter Peter Mayhew said in the suit, and it wasn't until James Earl Jones dubbed it that they said, "Yeah, no, I'm your father." He's talking about in the script. It said that to keep the, it a secret. Yeah, to keep it a secret. Wait, wait. Oh, wait. Oh, like, okay. he, he didn't mean. Peter. So the press, the press yeah. wouldn't figure out. That. Oh, right. The fact. Okay, yeah. Now that's what I thought. You. Were, I thought we were talking about something else. That's my mistake. But yeah, that. I mean, that's the greatest twist. Just. And like, it, it's a shame it's so ubiquitous because no one's going to be able to experience it anymore. That's that's I, I that's was the trap I was telling my friend I was like if I had a time machine I'd just take myself back to 1980 just to be in a theater opening night just to hear people lose and like their a, minds like a men, men in black memory wipe just so I could get it as well <laughs> exactly yeah <laughs> um but I I really just do love that fight because of the fact that he just he does toy with them like I I never noticed before he literally Vader does fight with one hand for like half of it like because he doesn't even mess with them and then of course I mean the twist. And then, you know, Yoda's saying there is another as Luke flies away. Again, no need for that, but Lucas continues to build stuff and build stuff. And, I mean, it's perfect. I, and also, I will say one thing I did not like about the prequels that this avoided is because at the prequels, there was in, at Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones, there's like a joyous celebration at the end. Like, you know, Qui-Gon's funeral happens. Yoda and Mace Windu were like, we're in trouble, because we know they're in trouble, because the mm-hmm. Sith showed up. And then it's this ridiculous celebration with the Gungan King with the ball, and like... That's awesome. It's 
But like this movie, you know. The ball? You remember when that came back later? <laughs> oh, gosh. But like with this movie, you know, Han Solo's in Carbonite and, you know, Luke got his hand chopped off and we're in trouble. And like that's just how it ends. There's no yeah. joyous, be happy. It's we're in trouble. I mean, and Luke now got we're his hand back, but like. Yeah. And then Lando's wearing Han's clothes. Yeah. That, okay, that, th- okay, the final scene was the worst scene <laughs> by far. That's like, that's like high school musical. It is. You just, 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 just woke Jacob back up. <laughs> yeah, okay. That, that last scene, <laughs> that is the one bad scene in this wait, movie. Wait, wait, are you talking about? On the on the Nebula and B. The clothes. The closing. Yeah. Wait, like, like when oh, he's wearing, staring out the window? What, yeah, when they're staring out the window, when he's wearing his Han's clothes. <laughs> what happened? It's weird. Why are they so far out? Yeah, they did. Right, Far out. A deep cut. What I, you know, you know, they say we'll see you at the rendezvous point on Tatooine. I thought that was a proper noun until like I was in high school. You thought rendezvous? Point I thought was like the, a place? yeah, like the rendezvous point, <laughs> <laughs> the point of rendezvous. I don't know French. Like, <laughs> good lord. Oh so, my gosh. There, that's my good. embarrassment that's for this good. movie. I'm sure I have one for for return as well. Of course. All right now. As David said at the end of the last one, favorite scene. I would add one more thing. Oh, wait. Oh, oh, one more thing. One more thing. I think the most underrated scene in this movie is the meditation chamber. Oh, yeah, with his head. You yeah, see the back of Vader's head? so much. As a kid. That's crazy. I think I might have seen, I might have already known that he that's was right. dad, I forgot. I forgot added, about that. that, that is is, yeah, so you much forget mystery. it's a guy under there. Yeah. Because you, the you don't know the, what he is. You think he's a cyborg at this point because he operates in such a manner. Then the officer's like, whoa. He like looks in there and yeah. stuff. That's a cool scene. Yeah, it is. fair. So. Uh, going around, I guess I'll start with my favorite scene. I, it's, I mean, there's so many good ones, but I'll have to go with the Han and Carbonite thing. Because, again, Jack, you know, as you mentioned, we know the scene now, but we don't. people didn't know if he was going to live or not. such a cool set, exactly. too. It's also, and it's a cool idea. Like the idea. red lights? Yeah. I, awesome. It, it's so much scene. so that they set the Feel Like Han Solo dance battle there. Oh, no. That's a good dance. <laughs> I feel like Jacob, how about you? Yeah, I'm going to go basic. <laughs> I'm your father. Yep. Like, that's just, it's, it's incredible. Yeah, it is. So. <laughs> All right, uh, Jack and Davis are dancing now with Jack. Your favorite scene? Man, there's so many to pick from here. Yep. I Just off the top of my head, the one that is going to spring out to me is is the entire asteroid field sequence. Oh. Just because you get just the the, the, the back and forth. I mean, from escaping from Hoth just by, by, by the razor's edge from the E-Web gun to the the whole asteroid field sequence, the, the space slug. That's great. The TIE bomber, awesome. And then, of course, you have the direct frontal assault on the Star Destroyer, a million to one chance, and then they fly right at the cockpit and the officers duck for some reason. <laughs> Very funny. Which, and, then hey. they, and then they say a ship that size can't have a cloaking device, and you're like, well, where did this thing go? And lo and behold, it's stuck to the back of the That's command center. Which, and then they float away with the rest of the garbage, which is a hilarious line. So it's funny that you say they duck for no reason because I watch Return of the Jedi, and there is a reason because they take down the Super Star Destroyer by flying directly through but the cockpit. But they had taken down the shields first. But... That that's that's okay. Yeah, that's a good point. I don't have anything for that. Also, fun fact: um, the guy who voiced the clones in prequels, because you reminded me of this when they D. Bradley put, Baker. No, 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 no. Uh, uh, Tamora Morrison. Yeah. He actually yeah. came back and redid the Boba lines that oh, it all cool. matches up. Have you, you know, seen the pictures of the guy that originally played Boba Fett? Yeah, his mask on. It's like some old, like this old dude with oh, the yeah, mustache yeah. and glasses. He's just I mean, hey, around. it's cool character. I mean, it's like seeing Peter Mayhew in the Vader series. That's true. yeah, that's also true. Or I guess. Is he Chewy? Yeah, he's no, Chewy. He, it's, uh, what's his name? The uh, German guy. Yeah. Vader. Oh, I can't, guy I can't just remember died. his name. But, uh, uh Davis? So, my, um, before I say my favorite scene, y'all were talking about uh, Han getting frozen in carbonite. 
some, one of the funniest things to me is seeing Luke jump out of the hole and like he like disappears into the ceiling for a second. Oh yeah, and then Vader <laughs> looks like in the hole, like yes. where is he? Yeah. I, he he flips the lever with the force. That's such a which that, that is a hilarious scene. That to me. that explains when you watch that. That's why they didn't have all the jumping around that they have in the prequels. Is because I mean it looks awful. It, it looks so, yeah. so it looks so wonky. It looks like he had a bungee cord. It looks as to bad him. as the as the force. Uh, speed running that they do at the beginning of the of the Phantom Menace. Oh my god! Oh my lord! It looks it looks as bad as we that. gotta get down there. <laughs> exactly. But uh, Dave, it's your favorite scene. Uh, so uh, obviously, like the I'm your father scene, the one Jack said about the garbage. I really like that one. But I'm gonna go with the Hoth battle. That's the most memorable one yeah. to me. And always always playing the games and stuff. I also had the Lego set. Mm. Like you can like fold it out, and then there's like uh, Luke in the back to tank, and like it had like the red C3PO. That was a crazy. That was a good that Lego one. set. It's a good one. Had a little snow speeder. I think it might have. And nice. It, but it was like it was like a yeah like a yeah. It was, the, it was Echo Base. It was a good one. That I'd say, so I'd say Hoth Base. Yeah. It's a good scene. And now on to the final one. I mean, you know, Revenge probably, of the Jedi. Oh yeah, that was the original <laughs> name. And then and then literally, as we mentioned earlier, with Lucas's uh, people telling him no, he's like producers were like, it doesn't really fit, dude. It, which because it doesn't. Because considering like, like the. Like, I guess. I, I mean, I guess Jedi wouldn't be uh, <laughs> wouldn't be very revengeful. <laughs> but yeah, Return Lucas of the Jedi. Has a crazy voice. I mean, this was probably the most hyped up and anticipated movie of all time at this point. Until a Phantom Menace, I can't imagine anything else. I mean, we're like trilogies, like a thing, like an event. Like, I mean, obviously they are now, but like back Before in the then. day, like I can really, I I can't really scare up one in my memory of like. You're, I mean, Jaws 3D, you know, that's a... I can only think of, like, James Bond movies since they kind of came out. Yeah. You're not a fan of Jaws 3D, But, Jack? like, th- I think this was billed as, like, the conclusion. So, yeah. like, people were like, oh, is well, Darth, was Darth Vader going to take his hat off? It like, was <laughs> It was unsure about a conclusion the because, um, so, the prequel... At this point, Lucas renamed um, Star the original Star Wars Episode Four: A New Hope in 1981 because he was planning out the prequels, which the prequels were planned to yeah, release it was all in 1989 there. because Irving Kushner, the director of Empire Strikes Back, was going to do the first one until it took 10 years more for them to do it, and then he was like, I don't want to do it anymore. But the prequels were planned, so this... Was not a, this was you know like a, all right this is our last one for six years till we get more which it became sixteen years mm-hmm. but it was really I mean it's you know it's the original Endgame everything comes together Lando's flying the Millennium Falcon everything you know it's back in his original clothes yes exactly that's <laughs> key that's key that's key but I mean you know this movie honestly is it the ever it's yes. most people's least favorite of yes. the original three yeah. I understand I'll why. say it's my least favorite with the caveat that. It is has my least favorite moment to the trilogy, but also my favorite moment to the trilogy. I think it's probably the most flawed out of all three. I, I would say that as well. It also, in my opinion, has the worst of the special edition uh, ads, including the singing people in oh gosh, the Star Wars Palace. Palace. Which Jabba's Palace? The thing is that like it's a showcase of the practical effects at their peak with all these different creatures and costumes. There's just that, and it's just like. You didn't need it. It did add the, the extra Twilight and the Rancor scene. That's which is true. Cool. So that's Original actually, actress. Yeah, they went back 16 years afterwards and filmed it in the same actress in the same makeup who she looks... I mean, I don't notice a difference at all, so good, on, good for her. But I mean, you know, that added back really definitely adds to it the most, but everything else yeah. is... So, so I compounding both the dropping you right into the action and the power of the Empire... This one has a crazy start. I believe the first scene is the Imperial Lambda-class shuttle coming out of the Star Destroyer, flying into the hangar, and the Emperor 
Who I think we no no the emperor showed up later. This is when Vader shows. Oh, up Vader's saying says, the emperor is coming. Yeah, exactly. And he says the emperor is not as forgiving as I am, which is a crazy line because yeah, the this, whole this the, the whole guy that the whole trilogy out. is Vader just killing people because they mess up and he's bothered. Which again points to the idea that that's because the emperor would torture everybody, which makes sense because you know force lightning. But yeah, no that that is also and then. That's one thing I noticed is I really wish the uh, crawl didn't spoil the Death Star because I'm imagining you know being in the theater knowing nothing and then just there's a second when you're like is this a flashback? Is that is the like, wreckage of the old one? Like, <laughs> yeah. Like and I, I I maybe my theory is they did that because in the trailers they didn't have enough other scenes to put in it because the space battle around the Death Star is the final 45 minutes. Well they well they also the reason I the biggest problem. The first, the Tatooine thing takes way too long. Yeah, the Jabba's Palace thing yeah. is drawn way off. Way too long. I will, my, my theory about Return of the Jedi is that if, if this movie were released today, it would be two different movies. I mean, we see that yeah. with Harry Potter, Lord of the Ring, or The yeah. Hobbit. Like it, they, they love to, to grab some cash by making the third, third act into two parts. And, it, and if that had been the case, far and away, the worst movie would yeah. be the, the first, first third of yeah, Return of the I Jedi. Agree. I think they had a case of, you know, you've seen it similarly with movies that were initially or are initially going to be standalones, like Pirates of the Caribbean had the first one that was just meant to be itself, and then they crammed a trilogy worth of content into two movies. They didn't cram so much in this one, but it does feel like it it just is a lot to put into two, which leads them to be on Tatooine at Jabba's Palace for way too long to a point where... I mean, where... those scenes are cool, but it, it really feels like the more they stick around there, the less you're getting away from exactly. some of the coolest scenes in Star Wars. Exactly. And I will say, one of my biggest issues with this movie is it makes the villains the weakest because, you know, um, there's this this trope that the stormtroopers are idiots that just, you know, can't shoot and everything. And then, of course, Obi-Wan at the beginning of A New Hope says these shots are too precise. They can only be stormtroopers. Yeah. And, like, everyone's like, oh, that's a meme. But in reality... In the first two movies, the stormtroopers destroy everybody except for our heroes. Who they like, were letting get away. Yes. Exactly. Yes. Like That's the thing is, it's like Lucas doesn't know how to stick it like right in the middle. It's either like they, like, because the AT-ATs mow down the Hoth rebels like instantly. Like they get to the shield Easy. generator in seconds. It's not even like, it's not even like a battle. And then they just look hapless around our heroes because Lucas doesn't know how to put it, throttle it back. It's like, it's always times 10 danger. But in order to do that... The villains have to miss. They can't mm -hmm. be like because those scenes when you know you're being chased through the asteroid field, you know they can't be on you the whole time. Except they are, so they just have to miss and be inept. And then this one, you know, Jabba's this great kingpin that Han defeats half blind, and Luke just goes through him in five seconds. Boba Fett gets hit <laughs> by Han unintentionally. Yeah, but I mean, this is the first time we see like a Jedi Knight, young, healthy, True. full strength. Something I'll posit to you: Do you think Luke? Choked out the Gamorrean guard at the beginning. He did. Yeah, they they did this. That's the call. That's the tell. Yeah, two fingers so, up. and he's wearing black. So I don't, I don't think they're okay. He's going Sith. He's going I don't Sith think knowledge. that's a. I don't think there's a problem with all that. Like the force choke and stuff. Yeah. It's just a force power. It doesn't have to be dark side. That's he's, true. Like, but in this movie, is setting up the fact true. that he's close. But, but like it. Yeah, it's like. No, I hear that. We, we got we, Time has passed. We don't know what's going to happen. So we, we see don't know Luke. Where he's been. We see Luke. We don't know it's Luke. We see. We assume it's Luke. We see someone choke out a guy dressed in all black and like a cape who we've only seen Darth Vader do. That's true. Darth Vader. And then he rolls cape. up and he's like a cool customer with Jabba, and he's like, "I'll destroy you if you don't comply yeah. with me." And like, you got like, did Luke turn? Like, what happened? I just think that's because I think that's because we know the Jedi Order from the prequels. Okay. 
And Luke doesn't know that Jedi Order True. at all. He just knows from the limited time he's had with Yoda about the power of the Force. That's true, because the first two movies is Luke using the Force as a tool to save his friends. Yeah. He's not trying to learn He's not the going force. on the offensive. Ex- mm-hmm. And it's just a matter of he's not actually trying to be one with the Force. He's trying to get this new power so he can, you know, s- defeat the Empire. And then this one, you know, he sort of rediscovers that. Because, again, he has a chance to kill Vader, and he throws his saber away. He finally discovers it. Davis so I think the choke right thing now. is supposed to emphasize that he's kind of towing the line a bit. Which I'm fine with because it sets it up so and it pays it off so it all works out. But people debate that a lot because it's like, but you know, Anakin in the Clone Wars does it and we know that's because he's confused and he's in the middle. And I think it makes sense for Luke because that's the same type of thing. Yeah. Because eventually he solves it, but that's what it, it's setting up this confusing arc. And I think it's all because of the Emperor and his father. Like yeah. that whole conflict thing, Him, he has conflicts in him. Like... That makes him like, well, maybe I should join my father. Maybe I shouldn't. How can I get him to turn? Exactly. And, I mean, think about this guy. deep. Think about his emotions at the time. The man that killed his father, killed his father figure, is actually his father the whole time. I mean, you got to be feeling some kind of way about it. The reason the twist is so good is not just because it's a great twist that nobody saw coming, but because it's very impactful. It's very much going, you know it's going to affect Luke. You know it's going to affect everybody. Mm Mm-hmm. And, I mean, it makes sense for him to be sort of, you know, in the middle a bit, which is why I'm fine with him choking out the guard at the beginning because at this point he's just trying to get his friends back so he can go beat Vader and save the day. All right. So before we get to the cool part, we have to eat our vegetables and talk about Luke going back to Dagobah. <laughs> I, I'm i okay with I'm it. I'm okay with it because actually— We had to see Luke—we had to see Yoda die. That's true. Yeah. We had to see Yoda die, and also— got to get—there is another— I mean, this— <laughs> No, we we already got that. Now, uh, the there, she back. said that he, there's another chance, but he says he, there's another Skywalker. As he dies, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, right, 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 right. He I says mean, Luke right, about right, three right. times. I love, so. I love that scene because Yoda keeps avoiding the question. Luke's like, yeah. "Is Vader my father?" He's like, "I'm gonna die now." Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Rather I, than talk to you, I shall <laughs> die. But <laughs> this weird snake house I live. I in. honestly, I like that scene Did he because the snakes didn't build it. You think he like force built it? No, he built the house. Like, it's not exactly sophisticated. It's like in a tree stump. Yeah, I, I personally like that scene because, you know, we think of it now in a different context, but coming out of Empire Strikes Back, we want to know all we can about Vader. Like, what the heck? He's his like, dad. Who's what does the that other, mean? Who's the other chance exactly. that he's talking and, about? And, you know, Obi-Wan literally sits him down and explains, like, he doesn't just say, I fought with him in the Clone Wars. He talks about him being the best pilot in the galaxy and his best friend, and now he's more machine than man. All this Ooh. good, which we, we take for granted now because we know. Because mm-hmm. we all know. We, everybody knows what's going on, and we take for granted now, but at the time, it was a key scene that needed to happen, so I give it a pass. It's okay. It's not great. It's not the lowest point in the movie because, well, they go to the forest planet of Endor later, but that's... I thought it was kind of weird when Leia would, like, I understand not telling Han, like, hey, we're freaking siblings. That was weird, yeah. But, like, know? I was like... No, yeah, because this, this is after Luke tells her runs away and then she he surrenders. Tell. I thought that was manufactured uh, drama. Well, I just don't like the, like... That's just weird to yeah. me how it's like he's thinking, oh, Luke and Leia, and it's like, D- no, not at all. Well, you remember that scene where, where Han's like, do you love him? And she's like, well, oh, yeah, yeah, that's, that's yeah. the very end. She's like, oh, okay, then I'm leaving. He's that's like, just, hey, so respect so to Han weird. for getting out of the way. I mean, he loves this lady, and he's just going to allow her. He like, was offended. Yeah. He was like. He was ticked. He was ticked. No, nah, I mean, he was like, I'll be fine. He's like, you, I, I won't get in the way. Here's a fun fact yeah. real quick. Wait, actually, you say it, Alex. Yeah. I know. Yeah, you Go ahead. The Death Star, they, they did the math. 
approximately 460% larger than the first one in this movie. Oh, that actually reminds me. So the Death Star, there's no official measurement of the Death Star because of a mistake that happens because there's like a canon version of it. But then when the Super Star Destroyer blows up in it, Mm -hmm. you should see it curved based on the size of the Star Destroyer and the way that it's dwarfed, but it's flat. So it doesn't... That means that it's either 460% larger or... Uh, they say it's like 196 kilometers wide. No, wait, 190. It, it's a big number. I can't remember it though. But so, yeah, we get back to the fleet. We're on board home one now. Like now, we see the rebels mean business. They got they got the Mon Cal's oh. on board. Oh gosh. You got what? Mon Mothma. You got Crick's mating. You got some guy named Manny Bothans who died that- to get the plans. Manny, not Manny. <laughs> no, yeah, Manny Bothans. Man- he died. Like, okay. It's like Clarence. So listen, you know what takes me off the most about that. They died for awful info. Yeah. Literally, the, yeah, I mean, literally like, the, the like Emperor Death Star Star is operational. They know they're coming for well, the, the Shield Generation. That was, yeah, that I was, know. Everything but is uh, Are you that dumb? Foreseen it. It's like, oh, yeah, we're, we're fighting for these Bothans that are dumb. Like, <laughs> what are you doing? Jacob will, Jacob will not no be going. for Bothans. <laughs> Jacob will not be going to see many Bothans in no. Star Wars story when it releases in No, not a chance. <laughs> oh, my Lord. Clearly, <laughs> Wow. <laughs> this is great because like Luke shows up and at like very like comedic timing point in the conversation, <laughs> he's like, "I'm with you too." Like, where were you? <laughs> were you waiting in the hallway? <laughs> I, I I will say I do love how um this like finally t- that scene, despite um the bizarre moments, does tie Han's character arc perfectly together because. Uh, they're talking about leading this mission on the ground, and Leia's like, who on earth would lead that? And then the guy just says to Han, and she's like, what on earth? Yeah. Which, I mean, it fits, because that's how far he grows. He grows from a guy that's just doing it because he's a, you know, he wants to avoid Jabba to a guy who wants to leave, so he can go pay Jabba to now, you know, well, Jabba's dead, which certainly helps, but now, you know, he's full-fledged into it. He's leading the ground assault that will either save the rebellion or crush it. And he's the guy that volunteered. And then... He even told Chewbacca that he didn't think it'd be sa- he'd be safe enough, and Chewbacca, of course, insists in his own way. But you know, and then he almost cries over the Millennium Falcon. <laughs> That's also yeah, That's that was funny. funny. That was funny. Yeah. So they they talk. They, he gives over the keys to the Falcon to Lando in front of another painting. By the way, that whole scene's in front of. Okay, a painting. that one's obvious that it's a painting. <laughs> that was very obvious. And, uh, they, and they made Lando General Calrissian because apparently they gave anybody him an awesome gets awesome cape. <laughs> anybody gets a general uh, as long as you're just you know not a useless NPC as most of the rebels are. You're like ah. He's Wait, a was general. the guy that was flying with Lando a general then? Uh, yeah. Num num. Yeah. I love that guy. That guy. Didn't he die in Rise of Skywalker? Yeah, he. I think he does. I just read that on and here. And then, of course, the be- the best character of this entire uh, movie, Admiral Akbar, who then, well, let's just say something happens to him in the last show. We won't talk about that right now. So, but- I mean, you have the, 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 the assault crew. We have the two, two groups, which then turns into three groups later. But you have the assault crew on the stolen Lambda shuttle. You have a really cool scene where they fly by the Super Star Destroyer and, and Luke can like sense Vader, which is cool. It's like the yeah. family guy. Uh, <laughs> fly casual. Yeah, it's like, so what is that ship doing flying casual? <laughs> it's like whistling. <laughs> and then the, the older code and it's in black and white instead of color. Or, or he says, uh, Luke, he says, my, or it's like, uh, Luke Skywalker's on that ship. How do you know, sir? I can see him through that window. <laughs> <laughs> great, great sequence there. And then, yeah, so, so that, that's, that's when when Luke knows that like this is serious. Like he says he's he's endangering the mission. He shouldn't have come. All that. And then you have the down on the ground. You have the small strike group with 
uh, Captain Rex. Do you think that's actually Captain Rex? <laughs> yeah. It's not. He has his own lore. Actually. Yes, it is. Well, no, no, Nick, that, no. His what? name's Nick Claus that, because he looks like Santa, and that's the joke. That's that, even that worse. That character has his own lore. Really? No, he, the, well, because no, 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 no. The only his only because he fought in the, is Nick Claus. Yeah, exactly. he fought. He fought in the Battle of Endor, though. Do we know that? Yes. That's Rebels. That, that's that is Rebels. what Sabine oh, Wren they, says. Retconned it that that is Captain Rex, the guy ah, that was playing Nick Claus. Interesting. That's a, and that was the joke. But she would have been. She would have been like pushing seventy. Because the, the advanced ages, aging. Yeah. Oh, okay. Wait, yeah. yeah. Maybe they reversed it. <laughs> Don't question it, Alex. I, fine. He, took fine. Out his, he, he died of a broken heart. I mean, think about it. It was only... He simply between, lost the will to live. Between Rebels and Return of the Jedi, it's only like ten, less than 10 years, right? Yeah, but I mean, between Rebels and Revenge of I the mean, Sith, it's what? That was 10 years. Obi-Wan yeah, went goes to from, 50. Obi-Wan went from you and Alec in about 50 <laughs> years. <laughs> so. hey, that, hey, but Tatooine's got that weird aging. Yeah. It's the dust and the wind and all that nonsense. Lack of water. Yeah, it makes sense. No it makes sense. I'm excited to see how they make Ewan McGregor look like Alec Guinness <laughs> in 10 episodes. It's, it'll be it'll, I, I, it'll I, slowly it'll be happen. It so, just, yeah, and then you have the speeder bike chase. Which cool. is cool. It's a good, I mean, it's, it's fun good. action. You see Luke and Leia, like, I'm okay palling around. It's a little janky. It's it's kind of yeah. funny when he cuts off the stabilizer and he barrel rolls into the tree. Yeah, I like it. I will say that I just like the Ewoks. They're cute and cuddly, but this is the Empire that we're supposed to fear. And I mean, the clone troopers look like hapless. That, I was gonna say that gives, that's a problem with me too. Yeah. It just it just hurts the movie because like you know up that, top Luke's going one on two with the two greatest Sith in the history of the galaxy, and on down below, I mean. The ATSTs are getting mowed down by some Ewoks with yeah. sticks, and, and it's I mean, like it was originally supposed to be Wookies, which is another oh, change. Oh, that would have been so much better because first of all, the Wookies are eight sense. feet tall. That I mean, so, interesting. Th- that would have been a lot better, actually. Yeah, that's one of those wow iffy changes. It's that good to see in hindsight. But of course, it's because you know merchandise. Same reason they made Boba Fett. I mean, yeah. like Lucas has said, he made Boba Fett. I think Fett the, the official reason is so they because because why can Chewie fly a ship and these guys are living in tree houses? You know. That's true, but I mean, even yeah, that's fair. That's fair. So and then you have the 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 space battle, which like I mean, I watch the supercut of the space battle like all the time. It's, it's like it's, the best scene in Star Wars. It's but, great. I mean, you you have the the rebels getting to the to the Death Star and then figuring out it's a trap. Obviously, an iconic line. But I think the more iconic, I think a better delivery is when Lando says, "How can they be jamming us if they don't know we're coming?" Ooh. That oh, yeah. is he genuinely like he like genuinely like, like he is, stops like, what is happening. And he's like, "I like," and then they all pull up, yeah, and then they all scramble, and then like it's it's chaos. It goes from like silence to absolute chaos. And I think that's I really like Lando in six. Like really? I also I like how he takes control when he tells them. Engage the Star Destroyers and yeah. Akbar is like we won't last range. long against those, and he's like we'll last longer that, against than the Death Star. That's the thing is, you know, I, I joke about them making him a general, but in that fight scene, he shows it because mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's him and Wedge essentially leading the entire uh, fleet against the Empire at that point and just so, yeah. trying to maneuver it. I and mean, then you have a great scene on the on the landing platform after after Luke has has surrendered. Um, I and he sees, he sees he sees you built your own lightsaber, and he's like, "I will change you, father." And that's just great. It's too and late. Then, and then, and then Vader, Ooh, the two, it's, the, it's too late for me. Oh, that that line every single time. And then yeah, so so now we're at the the crux of the film, which yes, which I love it because it exists, but I hate it because it set a precedent. The the Star Wars triple battle. <laughs> Okay. You yeah. have the ground battle, the Death Star battle, it's, and the space battle all a, going on at once, jumping between. It, it works here. They try it again a lot. It doesn't always work. It doesn't always work. It works. I think it works perfectly here because again, you know, you've got you've got each of your characters carrying it. You've got Akbar and Billy and uh, Lando, played by Billy D. Williams, carrying the space battle, and it's it's on them. It's you're not going around anybody else. It's on them. And then you got Han and Leia trying to lead the ground, 
and Luke versus Vader. It's it's simple. It's not three different battles with fifty different I characters. Think, it thinks it's all connected. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's exactly. all so connected exactly. that like these these battles need to happen. It's all not of them do. Duel the fates fight droid on a field. Yep. Now we're yeah. in, that, in and again, space. That's, <laughs> and the thing is, is that these movies work because the characters and the actors work. The, the prequels would have worked if it was all just if your characters were better. That's the climactic fight scene. But this works because again, yeah. you make a joke about Lando being a general, but then Billy D. Williams knocks it out of the park, and you're like, oh wow, this is we like this guy. Then you got Han and Leia. I mean, who's not invested in their romance at mm-hmm. this point? Everybody is. And then you got Luke and Vader. I mean, you got the greatest villain with the most intimidating voice ever. And then you've got the guy that's in charge of him, played by Ian McDermott, who of course, I mean, dude's it's, dude's it's too awesome. Good. It's too good. And like. You just, everything works, and that, like, Duel of the Fates would have worked, but you've got, now this is pod racing. This is tense. No, it's not, it's not going to work. It's That's not, a trick. I'll do a barrel roll. That's why spinning. spinning. That's a good trick. <laughs> it, it, like, it's not, okay. I think that's why it works here. Do we all love the this lightsaber battle? Oh, yeah. It, oh, the, the. The Luke hiding because like he knows yes. he, he's outmatched. He knows like, that's what makes it good is that he's hiding, and it's not until Vader taps into his emotions and says he's going to come for his sister. And now. this, this seems like dark side Luke. And then yeah. the swell of that music when Luke comes yeah. out on and a like tear the, and, and the just people like chanting in the background, beats humming the heck out of him, just over the shoulder, not even any technique, just yep. pure rage, <laughs> just Which, beats him down. I will say it is kind of funny to me because you know like. Hindsight, we all know and we expect it, but like, you know, people always mock in Batman vs. Superman the Martha scene where it's like, oh my gosh, we have the same mother, we're connected. Like when Luke like sees Vader's robot hand and looks at his own, it's like, like the look on his face. It's kind of funny. Well, I get this it. one's different because he's realizing what he's about to turn into. No, mm-hmm. I, I get it. I, I get it. It's yeah. just, it, it, it looks it well, looks really funny. Well, like, he's, like, he's like, oh my God. It's just it's, defend, it's funny. I'm about to defend Batman v Superman right here. No, no, I, no. Let's no, 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 say that. I for, should not have. No, you're not going. We're saving that for another. I'm just podcast. saying. I'm just saying. If if they had fleshed that scene out more, I was watching a video about it. The idea. Of the <laughs> oh scene, boy. Listen, listen. The idea of the scene no. was that Batman realizes that he's human. Yeah. Yeah. That, that he has, has emotions. That he's not. A, that he's not a mindless alien. The bag on that. So I mean, you talk about every frame is a painting. That frame where where Luke goes to strike Palpatine, Vader stops him, blades crossed, oh, yeah. and Palpatine's just smiling because I mean, it's exactly as he planned. That's great, and and I'll talk about the parallel of Vader making the decision to to ice palp instead of going letting him kill his son. I mean, he's looking, he's staring. There's a decision. He can either intervene with the lightning or he can go after Palpatine. I think it's a great scene as it is, but it, it's even better with the knowledge of that's how Anakin felt of a dark side was choosing. Palpatine over Mace Windu in the exact same situation. So it's a redemption for him now. That's a good point. And I will say um, one of the things I really like about it is, you know, I was watching with my roommates all last night, and one of them's like, what? What? Say la vie. Enjoy your life. Anyway, um, so we're watching it, and one of my uh, friends is like, oh, Palpatine trying to get somebody to kill him again. I'm like, that's not what he's doing. What What he's very obviously doing is that He's not trying to get Luke to strike him down because he knows Vader is going to defend him. He's trying to get Luke to tap into his dark side to kill Vader, to which then Palpatine will be able to manipulate him. But everybody just misinterprets it as Palpatine doing the strike me down thing again, which in Rise of Skywalker, there isn't really a backup plan. It seems like it actually is the strike me down thing. But in this one, he's just trying to turn them because we know the rule of two now. Vader knows the rule of two then that it's clearly the fact that Palpatine's trying to upgrade. Yeah. And he's just... 
deploying them against each other. He's not actually trying to be killed. This guy's because... getting old. They stopped making his replacement parts. That's <laughs> he needs a new guy. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think that's it's a lot better than some people give it credit for. Because some people just take the lines literally when it's not. It's more of an actually, you know, messing with people. As he we see in the prequels even more. I mean, he plays everybody against each mm-hmm. other perfectly. But also, um, a thoughts on the special edition um, adding the. Seeing multiple planets celebrate, and then I if like you go that. to Naboo, yes. I, like but, that. But, I love the Nub too. But he says we so free. We so free, which I'm not. <laughs> and on, Cor- <laughs> on Coruscant, you see him pull down a statue of Palpatine, and you get a shot of a Jedi Temple, which then became the Imperial Temple. I think that's cool, just for world building. And you see the Senate building. It, you don't need it. Yeah, but I, no, I like it too. I just I mean, don't it, like the We so free. I'm, yeah, fascinated. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's that's not where, good. That's where the the blue ball came back in that scene. Oh, that's right. That's right. <laughs> the orb. That's what it was all about. Of course, of course. Um, so I mean, of course, uh, you have the great scene of, of of Luke taking his father's helmet off. I love that scene. I mean, so good. Which also uh, a good special edition adding is originally the actor who played Darth Vader had really dark black eyebrows. Which I mean, considering he's it's supposed to be like, like the- <laughs> singed, like it doesn't really make any sense. Yeah. And they they cut those out in the, in the special edition. Which again, I think that was not a necessary thing. But I mean, you know, why well, not? Well, then they it changed it to Hayden Christensen. Yeah, that. I like that. I'm okay oh, with it. I have it. a quote about that right here. Hayden Christian said that he had he did not fully know what George Lucas was going to do when he asked him to get in the, in the special you, edition. Hayden, will you come back to Skywalker Ranch and stand in front of this blue wall? <laughs> See, it's probably... I don't I don't know how much I like the whole, oh, it's Hayden because he went back to Anakin, but like... If that's the case, it just makes, give us, I, I give us the Clone arguments. Wars They're version of Anakin. The do the special high. edition edition. <laughs> yeah. Just give us, give us Clone I, yeah, Wars I can Anakin. see the argument, but also at the same time, if we were to believe... I mean, you see, there's two interpretations that either Anakin turn, or Vader turned back to Anakin in the hangar scene when he finally went back to choosing his son... Or you take him at his word, and that he's literally too far gone. The like his his, his evil can't can't be he can't be well, redeemed. But, I think he's but, also scared of Palpatine. Right, his, his evil can't be redeemed, but he he can still do a good action. True, true. Yeah. And I will say, um, what was I gonna? Oh my gosh, I just lost it. No, it was a good point about something involved. Oh, I I was gonna say in regards to doing Anakin, you know, because of the way the prequels are, like. Which version are you going to give us? You're going to give us the uh, Padawan braid that doesn't like sand. Like people are not going to like it, no matter which version of it of him it was. Jake Lloyd <laughs> on the in, the in 64. Just the just the, the, ca- the camera like uh, cuts to one and then it goes down. Ha- have y'all ever seen the How It Should Have Ended for I've not. Stars I probably Return saw of that. Jedi? I, I probably I saw it a million it. years ago. So it showed it shows them as the Force Ghost, and I think they're like, oh, at least it's not the annoying one. And they, he shifts into Jake Lloyd in one, and he says, pod racing or whatever. <laughs> he goes back to episode three, uh, Anakin, and then Mace Windu appears, and then the younglings appear, and they all say, you killed all of us as children. <laughs> it It's weird. It is odd because considering, you know, that long-haired Anakin, we don't associate with anything other than, you know, the guy the that one. mows down the younglings and, um, you know, says from my point of view the Jedi are evil and talks about underestimating his power and then, you know, like, it's not... And I, it just... The prequels, they add a lot, but they do, in some cases, negatively affect in that way due to, you know, just some of its flaws. But, I mean, it's never been a big issue for me, personally. But now, I guess... 
there's no really sense in ranking them because I think all of our favorite rankings scene? are clear, right? What? Favorite scene? Oh, right, right, of course. Sorry, sorry. Uh, favorite scene? Um, I got to go with the entire Vader and uh, Darth Vader, or Vader and Luke fight. That's just, it's just too good. And then the Emperor's theme, which is also just... Beautiful. I mean... Yeah, it's probably the the Vader and Luke fight. I don't... I mean, some of the scenes on Tatooine are cool, but I just... I can't... With the whole thing put together, it just... I can't do anything with that. I got it. Oh, all of the space battle. I mean, True. That's just, it's, it's a feast for the eyes. It's, it's like... Tier. It's 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 action where where the the other two the other two parts of the story are lacking in action. It, it really it it cuts right back to it at the perfect time. I mean, you got the the may the force be with us all before they jump. You got the things uh, shield still up. I mean, w the surprise of the battle station being operational. I mean, I mean, Billy D like that that thing's operational. Like the panic, the engaging the star destroyers at point blank range uh, when the shield finally blows up and they're like. Green group, gold group, all craft follow me. Like the music starts, like it's awesome. They fly through the thing. That's my favorite trench it's, run. It's beautiful. Mm -hmm. Like, and they're flying through the Death Star. It's it's like something you thought the trench run was cool. Like now they're in the thing. Yeah. And then I mean the 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 yeehaw as he flies out of the thing and the fire shoots out like peak Star Wars. I was used to die on that level in Lego Star Wars. Always that in the pod racing level easily. It was hard. Mine's yeah, probably when they took Vader's helmet off. I just uh, yeah. really like that scene. That's my mom's favorite scene as, as ah. well. It's, I, I will say uh, honorable mention for me is the Rancor pit with uh, Luke because, like, the practical effects of that, I don't even know how they did it because it's all real. Like, True. there's no CGI to it. The beak is CGI in the later versions. No, no. Wait. Rancor, not the, oh, not the Sarlacc, Sarlacc pit. Uh, yeah. I meant the Rancor-like yeah, cave or whatever. I and mean, he throws the um, skull at the button. That's funny. <laughs> And then the and then the. Um, did you text that? To, Davis said that on the air last or what? two weeks ago. When did I say that? What? An, I just got some serious deja anyway, vu. I don't know. The, the, the Gamorrean guard being super sad about the Rancor dying oh, is actually guy, hilarious. There, there's in the. Uh, or he's yeah. not a Gamorrean guard. There's, he's, there's a in in the aftermath trilogy by by Chuck Windig. There's a there's a vignette about that guy and how his life was just devastated because his dang. whole life was the oh, Rancor. It's bad for him. It's sad. Oh, it's sad, but I laugh at it. But you laugh at people's Sorry, dang. Like, I mean, come on, y'all got to continue that. It's yeah. <laughs> the practical effects of it, though, really are like, that's like the master perspective on there. And because, it, the, I mean, it looks so real and it looks great. And that's just, that's like the peak of all the practical effects they'd done up to that point building up, which then makes you know, wonder why wouldn't they just make Jar Jar practical? Like they probably could have, which again points to your point, Jack, about the fact that when you have a limited budget, you may. Try and cut corners. The Lucas thought Jar Jar was more revolutionary for the CGI than cutting the corners. I mean, it it was. it was revolutionary. It was the first fully CGI like character. It just doesn't. It didn't age so well. I would say, like day, a lot of things day about one it didn't, didn't yeah. age. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Right when they gave him that accent, I think I was kind of dead in the water. Hey, we so free. So I or no, the other ones. We could go around ranking them, but I imagine Empire Strikes Back is all number one. A New Hope is number. Two, yep. right, for everybody. Yes. Yeah. And Return of the Jedi is three, like that's Yeah, yeah. I mean with, with yeah, I mean I, I brought up the caveat that like my favorite scenes of the trilogy are in Return of a Jedi, but also my least favorite scenes. Yep. So like on average, it's my third favorite, but but there's fluctuations. Yeah, no, that that it, like for me as a kid, it was always my favorite because the space battle is just so cool. And like, like but, I gotta say, like my favorite one to rewatch it's got. I mean, it's probably a new hope, just because it's like so self-contained. You yeah. know, it 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 moves at a pretty steady back clip. Back to the basics. Like I'll, I'll of course. I mean, I think Empire Strikes Back is the best as a as a 
as a movie, like as a film, if we're, if we're being like super critical. But as far as enjoyment, one I like to watch the most. I mean, A New Hope probably. Yeah, that I I think that's definitely fair. And I also think you know A New Hope as the one you're thinking about the most because you know you're also now thinking about it in context with three prequels and an anthology movie to where you know there's a lot just to like pay attention to and focus on and think about. But anything else before we finish up? I mean, we did we talked about a lot. I think we covered all the bases. I'll, I'll probably wake up in a cold sweat <laughs> and be upset about I didn't bring up Lando's costume that was also in Solo. But, you know, I mean, there's no way. I don't want to get out of here. There's no way we could cover it all. Yeah, I mean, it's, there certainly is a lot, which, you know, we were talking earlier. We thought it was going to be shorter because we all just liked it. But I guess no. in the case when you like you them just enough. Just wait until the Snyder Cut of Through the Lens, Star Wars edition. <laughs> it's going to be great. R-rated. Jared Leto with long hair is going to be there. <laughs> Good lord. I mean, hey, maybe the Snyder Cut will be good, guys. I don't know. I think it is going to be good. We're doing an episode on it. That's true. That's true. But uh, we'll be back next week, hopefully, to do the episode on the sequel trilogy. Silver Surfer and WandaVision. (laughs) (laughs) WandaVision spoilers again. I said I was sorry. But yeah, we'll be back next week to do the sequel trilogy episode, probably the most painful episode of all of our four episodes, Star Wars. Some tunes by the Von Trapp family singers. (laughs) But once again, thank you for joining us, and we will see you next time.